When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. All right, everybody, welcome in. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. And look at us. We don't even have to – hold up. Just distract the people. I go turn the light on. We're live on Facebook, and it looks like we're in a dungeon over here. Looks they like can't we, see us? Looks like we don't pay our light bill. We're like John Cena over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here live on a hump day Wednesday. Got a lot of cool interviews coming up, man. I'm very excited to talk to Jay Williams today. All right, exactly. I even wore my Duke shirt today, so there's that. Well, you didn't have to do that. How'd Syracuse do last night? Uh, they won their last game. They came back from 14 down and won, but uh, their game tonight versus Louisville got postponed due to the Rona. Yeah, starting to see a couple of those pile up uh, around the world of college basketball. You know, there's a part of me that was like, just because some of our local teams haven't been impacted by it, uh, you know, Wright State had theirs early on, but UD, Wright State are rolling right now. Ohio State's cruising. In fact, they have a big showdown tomorrow uh, with Iowa, uh, mm. a top 10 showdown, number seven versus number four. So actually that, that might change after the Iowa's big win last night. Michigan State, I figured, I was like, it's setting up a big one between Iowa and uh, between Iowa and Ohio State coming up on Thursday night. And I was like, if Michigan State, which is Typically, you know, those are the teams you worry about come tournament time anyway, are those well-coached teams like Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Like, say what you want about Duke and North Carolina and those teams right now who aren't playing well. I don't see Kentucky getting into the NCAA tournament. I mean, right? Like, I mean, it's been that bad for them. Um, but, but I don't want to run into those teams in the NCAA tournament. Um, some of Calipari's better tournament runs have come on years where he is not as loaded. Um, right. The year that they got, I think it was the year they played UConn. Was it with Kemba Walker? Uh, it was Julius Randle who they had. Julius Randle, but team, that yeah. team wasn't very good. That right. was that was uh, I think like a seven or an eight seed. And which, by the way, that's good, but that's not Kentucky standards. Right. But you know, those are the teams you don't want to really see come tournament time. But we're going to talk about that. We have Jay Williams, uh, former Duke Blue Devil, part of Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin in the morning. He's going to join us coming up an hour from now, top of the hour, four o'clock. We're live on Facebook. Head to Facebook, search the Justin Kinner Show. You can jump in on the conversation, or you can give us a call at four five seven nine. Four six four, but I want to tell you, talk to you about a, a theory that I had a while back. That you said that there's no way that there's any legs to that, and that's the return of Andrew Luck. And mm-hmm. sure enough, Andrew Luck's name was trending throughout the NFL world today. Uh, I know a lot of people in Indianapolis are upset because, look, I, I don't think anyone looks at Matthew Stafford as like you know, oh my, we're a Matthew Stafford away. But I believe that the Colts are a legitimate quarterback away. From being there, look, I think it was Philip Rivers had like a 97 point something quarterback rating with that offensive line that the Colts have, and Philip Rivers wasn't the he was old Philip Rivers. He wasn't the old Philip Rivers, and he still had a a pretty solid season, especially once he stopped turning the ball over. The Colts are kind of they're just sitting there waiting. They have all the you know when you talk about the quarterbacks like you know Aaron Rodgers and and you look around the league and everyone's complaining because they don't have enough weapons here, they don't have enough weapons. There. The Colts are just waiting. They're waiting for a quarterback to come in to put under center behind that offensive line. They'll address the run game this offseason. Uh, you know, there's talks of, you know, they want to bring back T.Y. Hilton and pair him with Godwin uh, mm-hmm. from the Buccaneers. That's going to be their number one, you know, target heading into the offseason. I'm like, you know what? The Colts are very 
interesting if they can get a quarterback. And there is talks and there's reports and there's rumors out there that Andrew Luck could possibly at least be having conversations with the Colts behind the scenes. And I think that that is huge. I've always thought that, you know, actually my hot take a while back was that Andrew Luck would come out of retirement, but it would be to join the New England Patriots. But obviously (laughs) I think he still has another two years left on his original deal with the Colts that he signed a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But if he comes out of retirement, this would be – it wouldn't just be him – coming into a bad situation, I think all the stars would have aligned perfectly. You know, the Colts could have tanked last year. They could have said, look, we're going to sign Phillip Rivers or we could just trade away all of our assets like the Jaguars did and we'll tank and we'll try to get Trevor Lawrence and we'll try to start this all over again like we did with Andrew Luck. Or we can continue to keep this offensive line intact. We can continue to keep our offensive and defensive weapons intact. And then from there, we would be able... Uh, to you know, maybe be an interesting landing spot because there's a lot of quarterback movement that is going to be happening. It's already started between the Rams and the Lions. I think that the Colts are interesting. If Andrew Luck does come out of retirement, it wouldn't be a bad situation. It would be the perfect situation for him because he the whole reason he retired is because of how much he got beat up early right. in his career. But he wouldn't be getting beat up right now with the Colts. He would have the most protection he's ever had uh, since being with the Indianapolis Colts. So I like the idea of it happening. Um, this was... Is right, you know, when they were, or say, sorry, their general manager talking about Andrew Luck just a week ago. He says that he knows how much we'd love to have him be our quarterback. There's no question about that. He said on Wednesday, this was to USA Today. But at the same time, we know for it to work out, he has to be the one that says, you know what, I'm ready. I want to really create a little bit of history and unprecedented aspects. He goes on to say that. We don't want to be annoying by always saying, hey, there's no point to that. Israel said, you know, we, uh, he knows that we'd love to have him back, but only he could decide that. And right now, he's retired. Well, everyone knows that if it happens on social media, that it's gospel, correct? Right. There's some random dude. Like, I wouldn't have given this any time, but I've seen this tweet float around on First Take on The Herd. It, you know, it shows, it shows are giving this a little bit of light. So I figure, you know what? I, I don't really like highlighting a tweet like this, but it's some random guy named Mike, okay, on Twitter. <laughs> Mikey? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. He says that uh, my wife has a mutual friend with Nicole's best friend, which is the wife of Andrew. Now, again, this is very TMZ-esque, okay? I'm telling you right now. I'm not really proud of myself right now, but I'm going here anyways. He says, I think that this answers a lot of questions. This was this past Sunday. So it's just a, it's a text back and forth between it's the best friend of the wife of Andrew Luck. And, and the wife is basically saying that, hey, he's he was in Indy this past weekend. He met with the Colts and they're just in the feeling out process to see what would need to be done. Again, no official reports. This isn't out, you know, Sal Palantonio from ESPN breaking this or Todd McShay or or, you know, or anyone like that. This is simply some random dude named Mike. But that is why when you go on Twitter and you see that he, he is trending, it's because of this random thing like these look like real text messages i mean look i can go on here and make fake text messages screenshot it and say oh man a friend of mine that walks the dog for the aunt of the cousin of the best friend of andrew luck like we could play this game all day folks but the bottom line is there seems to be some legs here and there was a lot of chatter about this even before this came out i don't know how much legitimacy there is to this but i am kind of curious where this goes. I think it makes a lot of sense. If he was to come out of retirement, this would make a lot of sense right now. The Colts need him. He wants to come back into football, possibly. And if you want to come back to the Colts a year from now or two years from now, you may not have that opportunity. This may be Andrew Luck's last opportunity to come back to football, to come back to the team that drafted him and play for the team that he loves in the Colts. I could see this happening, Kev. And then the AFC, look the hell out because the AFC is absolutely loaded at that point. So let me start by saying this. We all know a guy 
don't we? No, nope, name Mike, right? <laughs> we all know a guy that's connected, like, you know, by three degrees of separation. If you have a guy to fix my laptop, that'd be, oh, right as I said that, it worked. Okay, continue. I was interrupted. <laughs> it wouldn't turn on for the whole start of the show. I'm like, what the heck? Keep I do it. have a guy for that. Yeah, you But, do. you know, I know a guy three degrees separated from LeBron James, and I've heard things from him that, is are weird to me. Like he was the first person to tell me that he was coming back to the Cavs. Like when he left Miami. Now this was like days after the finals. And of course I'm like, for what? Why would that? It's like, man, that's 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 what we hearing. And it actually happened. So I'm not doing to discredit this guy because we all know people. Like we know people that are into recruiting and everything like that who knew that Von Bell was gonna sign with Ohio State over Georgia weeks in advance and it came out to be true so i'm not going to discredit the guy i'll just say this andrew luck is about to be 32 years old and that's not old especially for a quarterback in the nfl especially the way quarterbacks are protected i will say this about him he was a very good quarterback when he played i still just don't know if he really has the desire to come back and to take that beating that he took before and i know they upgraded the offensive line but this is still football you know, at the end of the day, it's a very violent sport. I don't know if he really wants to come back. I would have to hear more than just a random tweet floating out there. But I would it's have Mike. To... Oh, that's it's Mike right. on Twitter. That's right. So and these texts look real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I would need to hear something else besides, uh, well, he was in Indianapolis talking to the regime. Like, I would have to hear something else before I would jump in two toes deep. All right, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. The bottom line is, is regardless of whether you are a Colts fan or not, this is what I love about the NFL is the NFL is so interesting to me. It's not regional. Uh, right. If, if, if it's regional to you, that means you're not a diehard NFL fan. You may be passionate about your team, uh, but I'm not a Colts fan by any means, and I'm obsessed with this news. I don't really care at all about the Lions or the Rams, but I thought the Matthew Stafford uh, for Jared Goff trade was fascinating this past weekend. Like That's how much I love the National Football League. But if you look at the movement in the AFC right now, the NFC is, is old, mm-hmm. dusty, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of teams going and trending in the right direction. All right, if you look in the NFC, the NFC East, you start there. The Cowboys, they don't, you don't even know what's going on, how they're trying to operate as far as getting a deal done with Dak Prescott. And if they get that deal done with Dak Prescott, you know who's going to be right there? Is it going to be all the naysayers that said that the Cowboys are going to make a mistake if they give him that max money? Uh, or if they don't give it to him and he goes elsewhere, will he go ball it out somewhere else and make the Cowboys look foolish? I mean, we're keeping an eye on that situation. You know, the Giants, you know... There were spurts of Daniel Jones that you liked, but you had no idea. You know, Philadelphia Eagles, they're a train wreck right now. If you have two quarterbacks, do you even have one? Right. That's always the adage for, adage for them. Washington, who knows well, what's going on there. I, th- I actually like their base. I like their defense, and I like their head coach and Ron Rivera. But the NFC North, the Bears, there's question marks there at quarterback. The Lions are rebuilding. The Packers uh, are relevant right now, but we don't know. I mean, that's a two-year window maybe, right? The Vikings mm-hmm. are just the Vikings. Good quality team that could score. Going to get some wins. No one's looking at them to be Super Bowl favorites. The Falcons are about to embark on a rebuild uh, here within the next season or two. I know they're trying to see what they could do with that Matt Ryan contract. The Panthers, you don't know what they have. The the Saints are about to lose their franchise quarterback. Uh, it sounds like they might move in the direction of Jameis, but you just don't know what to expect there. The Buccaneers, they're on borrowed time with Tom Brady. You don't know how much longer this is going to last, another season or two. The Cardinals have Kyler Murray. Who knows? 
You know, who knows what happens there? The Rams just traded for Stafford. They're going all in for the next two years. San Fran not set on their quarterback, and Seattle always feels confident uh, when they have Russell Wilson. But there is nothing definitive. There's nothing I'm very confident. I don't like the NFC. There's nothing uncomfortable. <laughs> if someone said you have to put money on an, a- on an NFC team to win the Super Bowl, there's not one team in there that I feel comfortable doing that with, including the team that's playing in the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday in the Bucks. But look over at the AFC, Kev. I mean, mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills, new blood, just coming onto the scene now with Josh Allen, who had an MVP-level season, who kind of came, you know, basically emerged as a star. The Dolphins, they feel like they're trending in the right direction, and they don't even know who, definitively who their quarterback is, yet they still won 10 games. They have a fantastic coach, and there you go. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they don't even have to have a quarterback to be interesting. They were the most interesting 7-win team this season. Like, everyone was, their eyes were glued to the Patriots because you just wanted to see what's going on there. The Jets... Train wreck, but I like the I like the coach hire I like the the hiring of the head coach. They have the number two overall pick. They have a lot of picks and they have a lot of draft capital. We'll see right. how quickly they could build that. Baltimore Ravens, they have Lamar Jackson. All right, the Bengals have uh, you know Joe Burrow, so they feel like they're trending in the right direction. Pittsburgh is one of the best organizations in football. And the Cleveland Browns have Baker Mayfield, and they just ended a twenty five year uh, playoff winless drought, an eighteen year playoff drought at that. Texans are a mess, but the Colts, okay, the Colts. <laughs> end up getting Andrew Luck. Right. The Jaguars feel like they're going to go places with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. The Titans are solid. All right. Then you look at the Chiefs. Holy, I mean, that's a dynasty for the next three, four, five years. Uh, The Chargers feel good about Justin Herbert. And the Raiders, there's a ton of talk right there about right now, that's where Deshaun Watson is most likely going to end up as we currently sit here right now. The Raiders are doing a lot of movement behind the scenes to get that done. I'm intrigued by that, by the way. Time. The bottom line is the AFC is the most interesting division in football, and it could even get bigger if some of these moves pan out. Yeah, man, it's going to be a lot of quarterback movement, and that move of Deshaun Watson and potentially going to the Las Vegas Raiders, I would look at the Miami Dolphins like, what are you doing? Like, you have more capital than the Las Vegas Raiders. If y'all really want to shine, y'all need to make sure it happens. But, I mean, yeah, man. Like, I was going to say they just drafted to it, but shoot, we just saw what happened with the Cardinals. They gave up on their young quarterback. Um, The Rams gave up on golf after giving him a contract, after he led them to a Super Bowl. So, it's to the point now where it doesn't matter. Like, if you think you can win and you think you can turn around your team quickly, teams are willing to do it no matter what they got to give up. All right, four five seven nine four six four. As I mentioned, you don't even have to be a Colts fan to be excited about this potential rumblings. There's not even official reports. I mean, we're going full <laughs> TMZ mode today. Some guy named Mike tweeted something out about these potential fake text messages, but we're rolling with it because I really want it to happen. You roll your eyes every time I bring it up. It's just, any, and that's what I love about the NFL is you don't have to be a Colts fan or an Andrew right. Luck fan to know that that's just good for the, the oh, it's sport. great for the league. Uh, I mean, better quarterback play. Better for the league, and you know he's an outstanding quarterback. Uh, I just I for for everything that we know about Andrew Luck, which isn't much, um, I just don't see him as a guy that lives and breathes and dies with football. You know, like how we think that Tom Brady does, like or even Peyton Manning for that matter. Like these guys, this is their identity. I never viewed. Andrew Luck as football being his identity. I mean, you know, the, the pieces that he used to run for him on college game day, it rarely was about football. It would be about his engineering degree, about his book club they had at Stanford. Oh, about uh, how um, he was around the game of football, you know, from his father being involved in football and everything like that. Like, it rarely was about football. So, I, 
maybe this is the perception that he wants to give off, like that I'm more than football, but everything that I perceive to know about him, he's more than just a football player. Uh, David Shaw chimes in, says that the Dolphins have already said that they are happy with Tua. Well, they're not going to come out and say, no, we're not happy with Tua. I know what Shaw's trying to say is that they've come out, but a lot of, I mean, teams come out and they say things. They're going to say the politically correct, not politically correct. They're going to play the political game here and just say that, say all the right things. Yeah, that, that um, vote of confidence there for, we go. for their that guy. Was, yeah. I mean, we saw that Tom Herman got the vote of confidence after they won their bowl game and then he got fired. So, Hook him I mean, downwards. <laughs> yeah, so if you, if they're cool with Tua, that's on them. But, hey, man, I would give Tua up and a first round pick for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, absolutely, uh, I, I think that the Dolphins are very close. And but again, they went all in on Tua. And if I'm the Dolphins and you have all these high draft picks, I, I think that they're okay with Tua. But I think they want to be okay with Tua. Right. I think they want. They're trying to convince themselves. And by the way, I was high on Tua a year ago. I said that he was going to be the best quarterback of this rookie class, and I'm dead wrong because I think right now, if I had to rank him, it's Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Tua. If Joe Burrow stays healthy all season, it's possibly for me Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Tua. But Tua was okay. You know, he, yeah. he wasn't terrible. Yeah, like his first start. I mean, what did you expect him to do? Like his defense scored three touchdowns in his first start, yeah. so he wasn't about to be out here throwing dimes. And I really respect the way that they handled it. It was almost kind of like old school, where you it was know, cool seeing the quarterbacks yeah, get along on the sideline. Yeah, too. it was sort of like, hey man, I'm Fitzpatrick is going to take you under his wing and help you become a professional quarterback, as opposed to you know. Nowadays, you just drop them into the fire and sink or swim. All right, four five seven nine four six four. We'll step away for a few moments and we'll dive back into this more as more and more comes out of this. Uh, but yeah, it, it's exciting in the NFL right now. This is like an NBA uh, type of off season, and that's I mean the NFL is already the most popular sport. This is going to take it to the next level. Robert Miller on Facebook says the Panthers are going to draft Mac Jones. Uh, Robert, where's the where are the Panthers in the draft order? Um, pulling that up now just to get an idea and look they need a quarterback and mac jones really impressed at the senior bowl and uh, they, they said that you know with those no, with no combine this year this is the opportunity for some of these younger players to shine so i i think that you know anyone that takes mac jones there's going to be a lot of confidence in it the where i saw him going was number 15 uh to the new england patriots uh oh number eight um number i mean right now in mel kuyper's latest mock draft kev and number eight, they have the Carolina Panthers taking Trey Lance from North Dakota State. But that's again, assuming they, you know, he has Carolina taking Trey Lance from North Dakota State because Mel Kiper had the Lions taking Justin Fields, the pick before them. I would be very surprised to see multiple quarterbacks taken before Justin Fields, Kev. Like it's one thing to see Trevor Lawrence go. I think that's mm-hmm. a given. But and it's one thing, you know, the kid from BYU, he could possibly go before Justin Fields. But I don't think you're going to see Trevor Lawrence, uh, the kid from BYU. I don't think you're Zach Wilson. I don't think you're going to see Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and then and then Justin Fields. I have a hard time believing that. Um, but you know, anything could happen come draft day. For what? I got a question. I'm so. Justin Fields has played about 20 games at Ohio State, right? Mm-hmm. Bad game against Indiana, bad game against Northwestern, and bad, we'll just say a bad game versus Bama. He's had three bad games. Three bad games. I believe that um, Sunshine had more than three bad games. Not to that level, though. I just think, like, like, man, like, yes, those games that Justin Fields had were bad games. 
But man, they they're they're treating him like he's the only quarterback out there to ever have a bad game. I was I'm just, I'm just quite alarmed at the the rate that he seems to be dropping like on everybody's you know mock drafts and everything like that. I've seen as low as like 15 and stuff like that, and it's like man, that's it's better for him though. But no, I know what you're saying. It's disrespectful though because. The further you go in the draft, that is signifying that, hey, we don't value you at the top of the draft when really that's where the best players go. I think what hurt Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence, Kev, is you talk about Trevor Lawrence's bad games. We're talking about three years of Trevor Lawrence with bad games potentially sprinkled in there. Mm-hmm. And with Justin Fields, he was so damn good his first year. I don't think, you know, I, I, he played okay in the in the Clemson game last year, not this yeah. most recent one. But, uh, I mean, people that think that he outplayed Trevor Lawrence in that game, I totally disagree. I mean, when you have such a big lead and you let a team go 21-0 run on you and you don't score at all in that miss, I mean, that's up to the quarterback gets the finger pointed at them for that. But I think because Justin Fields, all of his bad games happen to come within a two-month span. That's what's working against him versus Trevor Lawrence is probably has just as many questionable games as Justin Fields, but those are sprinkled in over a three-year period to where, unfortunately, Justin Fields had his worst games within a two-month period. You know what I mean? Like, not right or wrong, but, I, you know, we are all – it's all that recency bias right, right. thing. Uh, but you're, you're 100% correct. Trevor Lawrence didn't look like Superman every single right. week. Right. And but, I, I, would, I would argue that I don't know if anybody had the game that he had versus – Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. we got a big guest list coming up for you here today. Former Duke Blue Devil, uh, now with ESPN Radio, part of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin in the morning. Jay Williams going to join us coming up here at 4 o'clock. Excited to talk uh, with him. I have to let him know that Kev's a fan of Syracuse. I do need to make sure I get that in. Uh, so there's that. But excited to talk a little college basketball with him. It's such a strange year. It's rare to see North Carolina, uh, Kentucky, or Duke out of the top 25. Michigan State, for yeah. that matter. It's rare for any season to have one of those four out. And all four of them are out in the same season. Like, it's that's just beyond bizarre to me. Uh, and I'm curious his thoughts as to why that is. Because I, I don't like hearing that, oh, that COVID could be why these teams are struggling. If teams like Baylor and teams like Gonzaga, uh, if teams like Drake and Toledo and, and, and others can, can all have success through COVID, why can't they? So I'm not a fan of those who try to say, oh, it's a throwaway year just because right. their team's not playing at a high level. Because I guarantee you, if the team was playing well, it wouldn't be a throwaway. It's just, I get it, though. It's easy just to, when things aren't going well, like for Ohio State this year, when they didn't look as sharp, we just did that one, well, maybe not me and you, but fans right away. Well, what, no preparation. They only had a day here, day, which, again, there's excuses and reasons. I'm stealing that from Greeny, by the way, because I've always... That's always my big, I hate that. Anytime you bring up something as to why something happened, oh, you're making excuses. I love that from Greeny. There's excuses and there's reasons. And I think it's a little bit of both when it comes to why your team struggles throughout this last season. It's either, yes, maybe because of the pandemic, but maybe just because your team's not as good as you thought. People that's using that throwaway line are losers. Oh, plain and simple. Look, At one, Kev Nash, Yeah, folks. because guess what? If your team was balling and they cut down the net, say, let's just say you're, you're a person that's out here saying, oh, this is a throwaway year, and your favorite team makes the NCAA tournament and cuts down the nets and is a national championship. You're going to go buy your national championship T-shirt and hat and brag to all your friends that we're the national champions. So it can't be a throwaway year if I'll be it goes your way. Shining moment, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can't try to play and say it's a throwaway year when it's not going your way. And then if it does go your way, I knew it the whole time. We persevered. They, I was just gonna say they persevered through all the obstacles that like, could be presented. Yeah, they're 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 out there playing. 
So it's a real season. I, plain and simple. The, the NBA played a season. Baseball played a season. We're about to have the Super Bowl. I may not like it. I may think the whole NFL debacle with the Ravens and the Steelers and the Titans and the Browns, I think maybe think that was unfair to those teams. But guess what? They agreed to play. They played it out. We're about to get a champion. Whoever wins it is the champion of the 2020 season. And, yeah, we can say, yeah, man, that was a crazy season, man. It was a COVID year. But I'm not going to be out here and say, oh, man, it wasn't a real season. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. We got embarrassed in our playoff game. It was a real game for me. Trust me. I was mad. <laughs> no, I hear you. Trust me. And, again, I'm excited. Look, we have Jay Williams coming up here at 4 o'clock. We're definitely going to dive into that with him because I'm curious his thoughts as far as, I mean, like him being a former player, I can't imagine, you know, his perspective of you know playing when things are normal versus trying to, you know, rewind all the way back to his playing days, imagining putting himself in this situation, just how different it would be. So, again, uh, Jay Williams coming up here at 4 o'clock, top of the hour. We're also going to talk a little National Signing Day uh, here for some of our local stars. We're going to highlight some of our local uh, Dayton signees, and I'm excited to bring on Jared Luganville at 5 o'clock. Uh, you know, he's with Prep Zone. He's Prep Red Zone, Ohio. He's going to be calling in at 5 o'clock just to give us the latest on some of our local football stars here and where they've signed and committed to, uh, and I'm pretty pumped about that. Because, look, it's been cool working with Keith Byers the last couple of years doing high school football on Friday nights. And it's been, you know, we've predominantly been doing GWAC games. But, uh, I, I mean, to see the... Is that you or me? Oh, that's you. Uh, but to be no, you're good. But to see uh, the, the stars up close to call the games and then to kind of see where they're going to take their talents elsewhere, it's pretty cool. So we're going to talk about that coming up with Jared Luganville. But let's get back to what we were originally talking about. We have some callers on hold. We're going to get to uh, somehow we we transitioned into the Justin Fields conversation about you know just how far down he could potentially fall in the draft, and I'm seeing more and more mock drafts out there that continue to have him dropping more and more. And, you know, maybe there is a little, you know, I, I don't like homers. I can't stand homers. And for those of you who have listened to me, whether it's when I started out just doing Sundays or filling in, I have been criticized amongst many in this city, in this city for not being willing to go all in to be a homer, whether it's the Dayton Flyers, <laughs> the Ohio State, but I refuse to be a homer. I refuse to just tell people what they want to hear. I look at it as it is what it is. But maybe the most homer thing I've ever done is look <laughs> at this field in the draft or look at Justin Fields heading into this draft and say, there's no way that there are that many quarterbacks better than him. Um, I feel like my homerism, you know, I did a pretty good job saying, hey, I, I would still take Trevor Lawrence over Justin Fields any day. But I'm not going to take the kid from BYU <laughs> over Justin Fields. And even Mac Jones, I don't care how much he balled out in the national championship game uh, unless he has five Devontae Adams or Smiths to throw to in the NFL. I don't anticipate to see Mac Jones just tear it up in the NFL the way he just did. We've seen quarterbacks tear it up in college that doesn't, you know, translate well over to college. I mean, Justin Fields looks the part. He looks the part. He's been labeled the part since he, you know, first originally committed to Georgia. I just have a hard time believing, as you said, seeing him drop to 15 at times. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. But we're getting mixed reaction on here as far as why we could potentially be seeing some of this. I'm curious your thoughts on this one. Ryan Strauss on Facebook says, History of OSU quarterbacks in the NFL also working against him. Who was the last good pro quarterback produced? And really, there's not one. I mean, Mike Tomczak. I mean, yeah, and that's how far back you have to go. But as far as great quarterbacks, none. Right. And it's okay. It's fine to say that. But I don't like, oh, because you're only producing quarterbacks like Mike Tomczak from decades and decades, decades ago, that that's why Justin Fields won't be good in the NFL. I don't buy into that. Um 
but at the same time, I understand why when you're dealing with human beings and you know you're messing talking about mm-hmm. their minds and how it works. I think that could play a role into it too. But you know, you could say the same thing about Alabama and Mac Jones, and yet Mac Jones is working his way up the leaderboard. So we'll, we shall see. Yeah, there's no question that all this stuff plays into the draft process. Uh, I personally may think it's stupid, but there's no doubt about it. We talked about this before about how you know how a person wears their hair is how they're going to be drafted. Like, these things are stupid. These things are stupid, and I, it wouldn't even surprise me if Trevor Lawrence, you know, took his hair down a couple notches before the draft because these people are idiots because they actually think their hair has something to do with how they play football. Um, for me, I think it's also stupid that people would try to lump anything that Justin Fields has done at Ohio State in with what Terrell Pryor did at Ohio State with – uh, the way uh, Troy Smith played in the pros, how uh, Dwayne Haskins at played in the pros. You know, these are individuals. These are individuals. They're not coming off an assembly line. Just because this person played the same position doesn't mean he's going to act the same way another person did. They're individuals. And furthermore, you know, there a lot of these other guys are being coached by different guys. You know, Trestle coached uh, Troy Smith and Terrell Pryor. Urban Meyer coach JT Barrett. Like, it, this thing goes decades. I know schools get famous for what they, quote-unquote, produce the most. You know, Ohio State, DBU, offensive line, U, wide receiver, U, and all that type of stuff. But at some point, that stuff has to change. At some point, you know, you do have to break through with a star quarterback. And I think Justin Fields can do that. And I think he's the most equipped to do it. Uh, to be honest with you, when you look at the NFL game today, it's not just dropping back and being a drop back passer. You have to be able to make plays with your legs. I mean, when you look around, I mean, that's the thing about Tom Brady right now is, you know, he has an offensive line to protect him. But a lot of these, I mean, look at Lamar and others. They didn't have the best offensive lines coming into football. I mean, keep on, the Ravens, their offensive line is not one of the best in footballs. It's not bad, but it's not one of the best in footballs. But because of the athleticism of Lamar Jackson, when things start to collapse, he's able to keep extend the play and keep it going. And that's what you want to see in the NFL right now. Instead of drop back, you know, a couple step drop back, and then all of a sudden the play collapses and that's it, you're done. Now you have these versatile quarterbacks who drop back, have the capability to pass, play breaks down, now they can make a play with their legs uh, and extend the play and get yardage out of the situation. That's what the team, you know, that's what teams like right now. That's why Josh Allen has taken off yep. a little bit this past year. Uh, you know, you look at him, you look at this big, tall guy, you think he's just going to drop back and just throw it all over the field, which he's capable of. But he was one of the best running quarterbacks in the league this year. Baker Mayfield, no one looks at him as a runner. Some of the biggest plays he made this season came on third down, third and short, third and long, and he made plays with his legs. As crazy as that, you have to be able to make plays with your legs. And can those other quarterbacks do that? We know Justin Fields can. We've seen him do it many, many times at Ohio State. Back to the phones we go. Four five seven nine four six four. Let's go to Nolan. Nolan, thanks for holding. Hey, uh, you guys already touched on what I called in to talk about, the OSU quarterbacks just not being that great and so the reputation just kind of working against them a little bit and see we see it work in the opposite ways too we see you know defensive backs as kev talked about dbu we'll see defensive backs get an opportunity just because they went to a certain school and you know it doesn't always work out but here it's working the opposite and so because they've never produced a good one we're not trusting this process yet yeah i I was thinking the last quarterback to even start a whole season from ohio state i'm pretty sure was craig krenzel I don't mm. think he's. Did he start a whole season? For the though? Bears. Yeah, I thought he started. Yeah, he did. He got one full one, season in his second. His second, his second one. Year. He got hurt on his first year. 
Well, what do we know? We thought Matthew Stafford was the quarterback of the 0-16 Lions, and then they said Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> oh, wow, even, yeah. And so we have no clue what the hell we're talking about half the time. No, but you're right, and I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a legitimate concern to have, but at the same time, when you, what, what's the what, number one reason Ohio State has taken off over this last five or six years? Their offense, uh, their, their their ability. To, I mean, it, spreading it out and not having that, you know, I, the option and all that stuff being dry with it. I mean, it really started with Terrell Pryor a little bit too. Uh, but their ability to spread it out to make plays down the field. I mean, I do think that that's what's made Ohio State a little bit more, you know, interesting as well. That there's a reason they're getting a lot, some of the top receivers in football right now, and it's not because they have bum quarterbacks. It's because they have quarterbacks that they know are going to get them the ball and make them stars. Yeah, but maybe it's maybe it's their quarterback process that just isn't converting to the NFL. But they have a new coach now, so no, that's fair enough. Yeah. Absolutely, that's you know. So where do you think he ends up? Where do you think he gets drafted? I think he goes too, but uh, I don't think he'll be worth it. You don't think so? You're are you a Buckeye fan? No, and I'm that's fine. I'm just curious. Fan of football. Fan of football? Okay. No, that's fair. I don't know if he goes number two because I don't know if the Jets go quarterback. Uh, but I do, you know, I would be surprised that's if he's right, not the second. Right. But I would be surprised if he's not the second quarterback taken off the board, I guess. Yes. yes. So, fair enough. Hey, Nolan, I appreciate you calling, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Uh, no, he brings, look, what he's bringing up, that concern, it's not that crazy because it's the same concern that's also being discussed in you know, ownership meetings and general manager meetings and coaches meetings in the NFL right now too. So that does exist. I just I'm with you, Kev. I don't think it's a good reason uh, to jump in and say that that's why you shouldn't draft Justin Fields. I, I do like I said the Clemson game. I know everyone said oh that that's what put him back in the in the number two spot. The problem is is. No one denies that he could throw the ball. No one denies right. his accuracy. No one denies his athletic ability and his ability to extend plays and make plays with his legs. The criticism for Justin Fields is how he responds when there's pressure on him. He had three hurries on him against Clemson, so he was never put in a situation where we had to see him react to that. Hell, Clemson's best defender was out, which no boohooing. That happened to Ohio State a year ago. But you see, like that's a realistic thing to consider. Yeah, but- yeah, for sure. My biggest thing with that, like, oh, he threw interceptions with pressure on him. That's what every quarterback does. Tom Brady threw three interceptions in the NFC Championship game, not because he threw bad passes, because he had pressure on them. He threw interceptions in the Super Bowl against the New York Giants because they got pressure on him. Any quarterback that gets pressure on him isn't going to make the best decisions in the world. And we all agree that Tom Brady is a GOAT. And in that second half, when the Green Bay Packers got pressure on him, he threw interceptions. So I'm not going to put everything on like, all right, man, when he get pressure on him, man, he throws interceptions. Okay, that's fine. So let's look at some of the things that he has improved on throughout the season, but checking down instead of hanging on to the ball a ton. And the whole thing about Ohio State not producing quarterbacks, I mean, we got starting quarterbacks in the NFL from everywhere. We got Russell Wilson, starting quarterback. He's from Wisconsin slash uh, North Carolina State. We got Josh Allen, Wyoming. Like, there, I don't necessarily believe like there's a hotbed for – QBs like this is QBU. I guess Oklahoma would be that with Baker and Kyler, but I just don't. I don't view it that way. I, I view everybody on an individual basis and what people do on the individual merits, not because they went to this certain schools. Like, all right, man, they're gonna ball because they played this position at this school. It, are they being coached up well? Are they doing well on their individual merits? All right, four five seven nine four six four. And by the way, we're not like. There is not one argument being made out that the Justin Fields isn't going to be a good NFL quarterback. This is it's going to be the best. There are teams, though, <laughs> who are viewing him as not a top quarterback to pick. 
gladly take him in, in the middle. Let me ask you this. It's easy to be blinded by the not-so-great start to the career for Dwayne Haskins, but coming out of college, let's oh, be yeah. clear. Dwayne Haskins, it was hard to envision him not succeeding in the NFL. Facts. With that arm, with his accuracy, uh, with with how big he was, his build. I mean, there was a lot of the Big Ben comparisons mm-hmm. at that time, which is coincidentally where he's at now in Pittsburgh behind Big Ben. It's very, it, I, to be honest with you, I felt more confident about Dwayne Haskins in the NFL, which shows I know nothing anyways. I felt more confident because there was less, you know, he had one full year as a starter. Mm-hmm. There was less to go on. I'm t- but the thing, a year ago, if Justin Fields comes out, I'm not doubting anything about Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. It's because he came back that second year. There's more film. There was more opportunity to show kind of any kind of flaws. I just think it's not a matter of whether or not he could play in the league. It's just whether teams value him that high to take him. But right. again, Zach Wilson and those guys, really, <laughs> I'm just not. If I'm going to take a chance on a quarterback, I'm always going to go with the quarterback that has a higher ceiling athletic, athletic ability-wise, who has the stronger arm, accuracy, and star power. And star power matters. Star power of prolongs careers, just put it that way. Zach Wilson's boring. He ain't going to get another chance. <laughs> you don't like Mr. Young Zach Wilson. No, it's my elitism when it comes to Power 5 football <laughs> and everything else. Let's just be clear. Like that's. I mean, look, everyone said, oh, Carson Wentz put that to bed, that argument to bed. Did he? I mean, whether it's right or wrong, he had four strong-ass years that had numbers that had he stayed healthy rivaled some of the best quarterbacks in the league. But right now you have everyone saying, oh, look, see, he didn't make it in the league. He didn't make it in the league. Like, you know, who's that small quarterback that came from a small school that's just dominating right now. Right now, or I'm sure there is one. I'm asking like a legitimate question. I'm not saying there's not one. I just can't think of one. Hmm. Like so, when you talk about the Trey Lance's coming in, like Trey. The, and by the way, uh, when you look at the fact that Carson Wentz has struggled now, that's going to hurt Trey. Uh, the Trey. What's Trey his Lance, name? Yeah. Trey Lance. Trey Lance, a year ago, when no one was doubting Carson Wentz, Trey Lance's value went up big time because everyone's like, see, he's coming from the same type of pro- same program. Mm-hmm. He's fine. He's going to be good. And now that Carson Wentz has collapsed, I bet you that hurts Trey Lance. How much you want to bet that that hurts Trey Lance? When you're going to start hearing people say, oh, see, there's yet, there's still not a quarterback in the league right now. That's, I feel like there's an obvious one that I'm just totally missing. But I mean, Josh Allen, where did Josh Allen go? Wyoming. Wyoming. So that might be the small, of all the, the elite quarterbacks in the league right now, he might have gone to the smallest school, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, this ain't no knock on Trey Lance. This is just a knock on games played. He played one game this year. <laughs> I am not drafting Trey Lance, dude. I'm just not, dude. Like He's played, uh, I want to say, maybe 15 games in college. Mm-hmm. Started as a freshman, with redshirt freshman. Played one game this year. I'm good, man. But you I, see, I need to have somebody with some reps. And, and I said the same thing about Mark Sanchez. And I did say the same thing about Dwayne Haskins. Like, I just like to have my guys with more reps than just one season. That that type of stuff alarms me. Granted, I've never seen Trey Lance play a single game of college football. Not even the one that they played this year that was on primetime. I chose not to watch it. I've seen highlights and everything like that, just like everyone else has. But I would be weary of drafting a quarterback that's only started one year. But see, when you talk about reputation, it matters. Why does Trey Lance have a shot to be drafted? Because no one thought Carson Wentz could do it, and he did it. And now it's like, well, clearly they have. Clearly they're pushing the right buttons and developing the right kind of quarterback at you know North Dakota State or wherever mm-hmm. the hell. Like. So clearly, I mean, the fact that people feel more comfortable about taking a quarterback from North Dakota State versus Ohio State 
it's because Ohio State doesn't develop elite NFL quarterbacks, and apparently North Dakota State puts Carson Wentz in the league, and that's why everyone feels confident in Trey, and it's like you haven't seen enough of him yet, but people will feel more comfortable going that direction because they'll always think of, well, this is the same school that developed Carson Wentz, which right now doesn't seem good, but a year ago it did. And that's the holdup with Justin Fields and every Buckeye quarterback moving Ooh, forward. Right or wrong, it's the reality of it. Yeah, you're right. I, I, can't, right. Deny, I can't deny it, but I'll, I'm going to stand fast on, hey, man, look, let's draft people off their own individual merits. Let's not prop people up for something someone else did. Like, just because Carson Wentz balled out for a couple years in the NFL don't mean that Trey Lance is. Let's let's draft him because we want to draft him off of what he accomplished, not because of where he came from. And if you don't draft Justin Fields, do it because he can't handle the pressure, not because no other quarterback <laughs> has made it from Ohio State. How about that? Robert Miller says, Joe Burrow, question mark. LSU did a great job developing an NFL quarterback. That was LSU. That was not Ohio State. Joe Brady. I, I'm not giving I, how much per, of a, if there's a percentage pie how much of that pie are you giving to Ohio State and responsibility of putting Joe Burrow in the NFL? Is there a minus five? I'm putting minus ten. Well, about fifteen percent. Fair. I mean, that's fine. That's I say zero. I say because he wasn't good enough to get the starting job at all, which doesn't mean he's bad because there's good quarterbacks at Ohio State. It just means that you had three really, two really good quarterbacks, and the better of the two really good quarterbacks, you know, won it out. But Joe Burrow didn't look elite his first year at LSU, and then they tinkered with some things, and then he goes to that next level. LSU is 1 million percent responsible. Or Joe opinion. Brady is. <laughs> Joe Brady, Tom Brady. What's that what LeBron I, meme where the, he's uh, on the cigarette? What, why did he bring up Joe Burrow? I'm just when we asked, I think it went back to the quarterbacks, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks. Okay, okay, okay. So, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. All right. We'll be back in a moment. We have Jay Williams coming up 10 minutes from now. We'll have a chance for you to win $10,000 on the other side of the break. It's the 1410 ESPN Radio 10K Payday. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Does learning a language feel like this? No habla espanol. Hablo. It's hablo? Yes. It's hablo. <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Since my husband is from Guatemala, I'll apply what I've learned in Babbel to our real-life situations. The app is so easy to use, and it's so practical. It helps you learn things that you will actually need. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Here's that song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your... So 1410 ESPN Radio 10K Payday, your opportunity to win $10,000. Head to wingam.com and enter the winning word football. How about that? Football. Enter the winning word football at wingam.com for your chance to win $10,000. Again, it's the 1410 ESPN Radio 10K Payday. And all you have to do is head to wingam.com and enter the winning word for your shot to win $10,000. Another contest we have up and rolling for you here. Don't forget that Valentine's Day is coming up just around the corner. In fact, a week from this Sunday. Wow. It's going to be Valentine's Day. Uh, February is just continuing to roll here. You can win a free dozen roses and a vase from First Forest and Greenhouses. And all you have to do is head to Facebook. Okay, head to Facebook, search the Justin Kinner Show. You need to like and follow the show page. And then while you're there, you can also watch the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live. All right, so make sure you share that. 
So here's how you win, okay? We're going to draw the winner on Friday. We're going to contact the winner through Facebook, through the page that you shared this with. We're going to contact you on Facebook on Friday. So you have to use that page, okay? Because that's who we're going to contact you through. So head to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show, like and follow the page, okay? And while you're there, you're going to see the live video feed. I need you to share that. We're going to take everyone that shares this video over the next couple of days. We're going to put them in a pool. We're going to randomly select a winner to win a free dozen roses in a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses. Uh, again, the official florist of ESPN 1410 Wing AM. So we want to do that for you. We want to hook you up with a nice gift that you can give to your significant other this Valentine's Day. Uh, and when we contact you, we'll tell you where to go pick it up and all those types of details. So keep that in mind. Head to Facebook right now. Search The Justin Kinner Show, like the page, follow the page, and share the video. Uh, and that's how you'll be in the running to win a free dozen roses and a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses. All right, let's talk a little college basketball on the other side of the break. Former Duke Blue Devil and now part of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, Jay Williams, one of my favorite Duke Blue Devils of all time, favorite person, one of my favorite personalities on ESPN as well. He's going to call in and hang out with us for a bit. A lot of college basketball to discuss. Yeah. Day- Dayton Flyers go down last night, by the way, 69-64. To be honest with you, the score was... that. That's this game was not that close. Crutcher like had thirty, Dude, right? Jalen Crutcher is unfreaking believable, man. Like he just watching that game last night. I see a lot of basketball players that don't look like they have any clue what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and then there's Jalen Crutcher. Like he moves different. He just dribbles different. He just shoots different. The game just it, it comes to him differently than everybody else. Obviously, he's experienced. He's been there a while. Uh, but UD's done a good job with him. Like he he looks the part. I, I don't know what the next step is for him. I don't know what the the legitimate you know how legitimate of a shot in the league he has. But he's the real deal. They get blown out by forty last night. If it's not for him, I, I put on Facebook today. I said if this team doesn't have Jalen Crutcher, it's embarrassing how bad they could be at times. But then, you know. Maybe Watson goes 0 for 10 or 0 for whatever from behind the three-point line. I mean, they had no one else last night uh, to kind of help contribute to that. Your post player in Chamanga doesn't get one dang rebound. How do you have a post player that doesn't get one rebound? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. All right, folks. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. We will be joined by Jay Williams next. Show live here on ESPN Dayton. He's a former Buckeyes great and now a college football Hall of Famer. And don't forget about his 13. 13- You can win a free dozen roses in a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses. All you have to do is head to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show, and like and follow the show page, okay? Once you've liked and followed the show page, your name is automatically put into the pool to win a free dozen roses in vase. We're going to be drawing the lucky winner come Friday. We'll be contacting you on Facebook, and you'll be able to go to First Florist and Greenhouses to pick it up. So that's all you have to do. And again, it's not like you have to pick it up Friday or Saturday. It's going to be made available for you later next week so that you have it just in time to surprise your significant other for Valentine's Day. So, again, it's not that hard. I know I appreciate everyone who always tunes in on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and what have you, but those who are not locked in right now on social media with us, you're listening in the car, make sure when you get home or you come to a stop that you can... Pull up the Justin Kinner Show page and like and follow along. You'll get to watch the show every day. Uh, you'll have select segments, interviews, and everything that we post throughout the day as well as other content. So keep that in mind. You definitely want to follow the Justin Kinner Show uh, page. That way you can keep up to date with everything that's going on. And when you do that, you'll have a, cha- a chance to win a free dozen roses and a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses, the official florist of ESPN 1410 Wing AM. Uh, Jay Williams, shout out to him. I appreciate him taking time and joining us and hanging out for a bit. 
our next guest coming up at 5 o'clock, Jared Luganville uh, with Prep Red Zone Ohio. Today's National Signing Day. Th- you know, three, a couple years ago, this mm-hmm. would have been like the day. Like, uh, this would be a, such a fun, exciting day from, for Buckeye fans because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, but now the early signing day period has kind of wiped that out. Yeah. And some of these guys we're going to talk about have signed already or have signed today. Uh, but I wanted to not focus so much on who Ohio State's getting or Cincinnati or Alabama or Clemson or whatnot. Uh, we're fortunate to have so much talent in our own backyard here in the Dayton area. And I just wanted to make sure we're highlighting some of our local stars uh, who have either already signed or have signed their letter of intent today on National Signing Day. We talked about Northmont. Northmont is a team and a program that was really decimated more than it. Not decimated, but just their season came to such a heartbreaking end. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were supposed to play Springfield. Uh, they were one of the top teams in the country. Kev, they were going to win a state title. If I had to put money on one team, you know, because betting on high school sports is so fun <laughs> and all. Uh, but if I had to put money on a team here locally to win a state championship, it would have been, I know, right? <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> oh I was not ready for you to say that. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, man, Northmont was freaking stacked. They had talent all over the place. You look at Marcus Allen, uh, Cade Rice, by the way, and that's who we're going to talk about coming up. For one, Marcus Allen, wide receiver out of Northmont, uh, he is signed with Wisconsin. Yeah. He's going to be playing in the Big Ten. I know that – I don't know how serious – that's what I'm going to ask Jared coming up. I know Ohio State was – he was on their radar. I just don't know how close. He decommitted from Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, uh, But another Northmont grad – going to Michigan uh, is Rod Moore. He was a wide receiver. and it, I mean, I'm telling you, look at all this Division One talent. I mean, Big time, man. Uh, I mean, Division One high school, but Division One like future, you know, going to be playing in college. Uh, Cade Rice, the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, we've had callers call in just to tell us his story and stuff mm-hmm. and just how, you know, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, and I'm looking at Cade Rice. He signs with South Dakota State. Okay. Um, that Again, to see him, you know, be slinging it at the college level is going to be cool. Deshaun Harewood, uh, defensive back from Northmont, he's going to the University of Indianapolis. All right, so Northmont just had talent all over. And by the way, there's so many talented kids in the area. If we miss one, it's not that we don't like your kid. Please call in at 457-9464. We want this to be a fun thing. Like We want to make sure we are acknowledging the great talent that we have in our area from a football standpoint. We'll do basketball another time. But make sure if we miss your kid when we get to Jared's segment coming up here at the top of the hour, that if we forget it, don't call in and yell. Just say, hey. What about this kid? And we'll be glad uh, to make sure that we give them, you know, a little bit of a shout out here. Uh, Tavon Hardwick. This comes from Marvin Gordon. Uh, he says Tavon Hardwick, uh, D1 Arkansas Pine Bluff, HBC, uh, HBCU Dayton Belmont athlete. Uh, so again, I appreciate that, Marvin. Thank you. If we're missing any athletes, please tell us. We'll be glad to make sure we get them recognized here on the show today. How about Wayne? Kev Cam Fancher. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Cam, but Cam, watching him grow over the last couple of years has been awesome. Um, and you know, you had that coaching transition. You know, Mukes has done a fantastic right. job and taken over. Uh, you know, for a coach that was there for almost three decades and had a ton of success, won a lot of state titles. So, Cam Fancher, quarterback at Wayne, he signed with Marshall. Wow. Yeah, like that's pretty cool. I didn't know where most of these kids were signing. Like I know that there's there were teams interested in them, but it's pretty cool. That's cool, man. And it's also you know. Uh Soccer players, too. Soccer players sign to say where they're going to be going to college and everything like that. So, like Justin said, call us. Let us know where the student-athletes are going, no matter what the sport is, man. This is something That's we want to celebrate. Football, <laughs> football <laughs> soccer, what have you. We want to celebrate you guys, man. This is awesome, man. You know, obviously, you and I didn't go to play at college. Well, you did play in college. but Stop. Uh, but Doesn't count. 
Yeah, it counts. You play. It you count. suited up for the writers. Stop it. Uh, I did know, not. Just don't, I don't. I don't. Just no. Keep going. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't get scholarships to play at the next level and everything like that. I got so free shoes and Wendy's on the road. That's what I. That that oh, was my. Frosty. Yeah, that, I, you know, we were trying to convince them to get books, but then they said you don't get your shoes, and I'm like, well, books are more expensive, and half the time I never bought the damn books to begin with. So you know what shoes it is. But it's a celebration today on the show. So there's that. But no, absolutely. Uh, Cam Fancher from Wayne signing with Marshall Antonio Barry. Um, with Wayne, he's going to Tiffin. Okay, right up the road. Yep, Jaden Hurd, defensive back for Wayne, going to Walsh. Okay. Uh, Brett Lawson, offensive lineman for Wayne, going to Bluffton. I actually know quite a few people who go to Bluffton, and, you know, if play, whether it's basketball, football, what have you. So Bluffton's pretty solid. Actually, a teammate of mine from high school uh, played at Bluffton, and it's just a good, solid program. So, again, I don't care. It doesn't have to be Power 5. I don't care. I mean, right. it's such an accomplishment to get a scholarship and to go commit to play anywhere uh, as far as that goes. Uh, Dalen Morgan, uh, outside land, uh, linebacker from Trotwood, signing with Akron. A.K. Ron. All right, uh, Rod Green from Springfield signing with Grambling State. Nice. Um, Titan CU uh, from Springboro, by the way. And I was bummed we didn't get a Springboro game in this past year. I was really trying to get out there for that. I was, we didn't get Northmont or Springboro. I was bummed about that. We had the smaller, you know, shorter season right. because of COVID and everything. Titan Case wide receiver, uh, wide res- wide receiver, wide receiver from Springboro. Uh, he is signing with Navy. Okay. Oh, we're going to protect and serve our country as well. Nice. Matthew Depore. Kicker for Springboro signing with Air Force. Another one. I know, right? Another one. <laughs> and Will Linkhart, by the way, unbelievable talent from a wide receiver out at Centerville, signing with Tiffin. Will Linkhart, I mean, Chase uh, Chase Harrison, the quarterback at Centerville, is. I can't wait to see where he ends up going. I mean, he's an unbelievable talent as well, but Will Linkhart was one of his number one targets uh, the last couple of seasons. So, But like, he's going to go, and he's signing with Tiffin. So we're going to talk about all these guys and more coming up with Jared Luganville um, with, with Prep Red Zone Ohio coming up again. As he's a scout, uh, and he has all the inside information for a lot of our local area signees today. Uh, again, we missed a ton, I'm sure. I know yeah. we have. So this isn't a, oh, you don't like my kid moment. This is a, there's too many of your damn kids, so just tell us who it is, <laughs> and we'll be glad to give them a shout-out. So there you go. On a broader scope of college football and National Signing Day, you know, I miss this being the sole day that high school recruits signed. The early signing period, for me, kind of takes away from college football, to be perfectly honest. And I would be curious how coaches feel about it. Because I know, you know, with programs like Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson, like, they their classes are locked up in the early signing period. Like, if they sprinkle in a guy or two today, that's a bonus. But so many guys get locked up early in the signing period and are enrolled already and everything like that and that's great for them i just miss the domination of college football because you know obviously you have the season and then you have the college football playoff and then there's another part recruiting like you have this day it's almost how like the nfl dominates all year round like that's how college football like i feel like they're missing a part that they can still dominate the the talking heads with national signing day it's like you know you got your season your national championship game is spring football, then the season again. Like I, th- I feel like we're missing that that recruiting because, like in the NFL, obviously you have your season, the Super Bowl, you have free agency, the draft, mini camp. You know they they dominate all four seasons of of the year on the calendar. I just feel like college football used to do that, but they don't do it anymore now that they don't have that national signing day, which is today. Yeah, I mean. I mean- 
Yeah, I mean, today technically is watered down a bit because this, the the early signing day. But, I mean, the early signing day has a lot of that big feel to it as but well. I just say because it's in the middle of the season, so I'm not thinking about that. Like, I'm thinking about, like, oh, man, Ohio State, they're, they're coming off a rough game versus Indiana, and they got Michigan State. Oh, yeah, it's National Signing Day, too. But, no, I'm more focused on what's going to happen on the field. Like, I think it kind of, like, takes away not only from my experience with college football, but also, you know, the the shining a light on these kids that are making a life changing decision to figure out where they're going to be spending the next four to five years of their life. Yeah, and here's the other thing, and we're going to step away for a few moments. On the other side, I want to get into why days like today make me so critical of Ohio State and others when they do not take what they accomplished on days like today in the early signing period and turn it into national championships. I remember a conversation we had about a month ago, Kevin, you know, a lot of people looked at me like I was crazy when I said, I feel like Ohio State over this last decade actually underachieved. And you would have thought I made a Jesus joke in church. I mean, people were couldn't believe it's because of days like today. When you look at the talent that Ohio State is bringing in, all right. I mean, common sense tells you the teams with the best players should win the most championships. I mean, Alabama's been able to accomplish that. Clemson's been able to do it. Ohio State's won a title along with you know LSU uh, and others throughout this process. But keep in mind. It's days like today that that put me in my position to be critical because my expectations are, okay, great. We can't sit here on a day like today and brag about how Ohio State just swarms in and takes every big talent out there but then doesn't have anything to show for it after a four-year period. Like, yes, there was a national title, but, folks, it's 2021 now. Like, that 2014, like, how how long of a bubble do you get to live off of a national title? We Kevin? talked about this before. I'm not sure what it is. I think we need to come with a consensus. You and I and the callers need to let us know. Is it three years? Is it five years? Is it just four years, a whole recruiting cycle? That's a good question. Yeah, because you look at the national recruiting rank, when you look at the recruiting rankings out there, uh, the you know, Ohio State's always at the top, and I think that they need to have more national titles to show for it. But that's just me. I'm not trying to turn this into a negative conversation. All I'm saying is, is it's it's days like today where Ohio State's winning. I mean, they're they're dominating. Whether it's today or the early signing period, uh, you know, Alabama's doing the same same thing as Clemson and others. But what's the purpose of gathering all these great players if what the end goal of winning a national championship is is not accomplished more than just once every four years? That's a problem. We'll discuss on the other side more of the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash next. Plus, keep in mind, we have a spring game announcement. We have a spring game announcement. Ryan Day uh, discussed this earlier today with the media. We'll have that coming up on the other side of the break as well. We now know when the next Buckeye game is going to be, potentially. Don't go anywhere. You have empty office space to fill or home office to create. You know what you need. You know what you'd like. But you also have a pretty good idea after you've shopped around the usual places what you need and what you like might not happen. Well, then you haven't been to Charles Larrick's Warehouse Outlet. Nobody has their selection. Nobody has their discounts. And every week, there's something new. If you need office furniture, Larrick's Warehouse Outlet can sell it to you for half the price in below manufacturer's selected prices. Half price and below on hundreds of items. Selection from budget to the best. Really, desks from $50 to $5,000. Filing cabinets from $25 to $500. Before you go anywhere else, do yourself a favor and come to Larrick's Warehouse Outlet. Hey everybody, it's Stephen A. Smith, and everyone knows my feelings on Cowboys fans. But really, Justin Kenner, you're a Cowboys fan? (laughs) 
if you missed the interview with Jay Williams, you can go and check it out now. Uh, download and subscribe to the Justin Kinner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes and Google Play Store. Uh, when you download and subs- or when you subscribe to the podcast, it's automatically downloaded to your phone every day. Once we post it following the show, you'll have access to shows in their entirety as well as select segments and all interviews that we do, just like the one we did with Jay Williams just a little bit ago. The one thing we talked about, too, and I forgot to bring this up a little bit ago post-interview with them, this weekend, you have North Carolina versus Duke, and I remember yeah. as a kid growing up, like that was like I had to circle that on the calendar. I had to make sure I was. Available. I don't do that anymore, and it's not just because this year both teams are not ranked and, and everything like that. But I do feel like the rivalries across the board in all sports, like Yankees Red Sox, doesn't have that feel anymore. Right. North Carolina Duke doesn't have that feel anymore, and I don't care what anybody says. You you could talk about tradition and history all you want. Ohio State Michigan is not what it used to be. Um, and the only way it can get back to that is if Michigan wins. And I'm not saying I want Michigan to win, but Me I don't either. think uh, the thing is is that that's definitely not what I'm going to talk about whatsoever. But it, the point is is I feel like rivalries have definitely like been watered down over the last decade, especially. And you have Duke North Carolina coming up, but I thought Jay was the perfect one to ask. You know his he his affiliation to Ohio State as well as playing at Duke. The Duke North Carolina rivalry versus the Ohio State Michigan rivalry. You know, depending on who you talk to, sides at Duke and North Carolina will say, oh, no, this is a bigger rivalry than Ohio State-Michigan. And, of course, the OSU pride will always tell you that, hey, you know, there's nothing that touches this. Which is the bigger rivalry right now? Not over time, not history-wise, but right now. Man, I would probably say... Man, that's a good question. Ohio State-Michigan. Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, it's it's easy for me to say Ohio State, Michigan because I'm a fan of Ohio State. I'm not a fan of Duke or North Carolina. I mean, I watched them because nine times out of ten it's going to be a good game. I remember Austin Rivers hitting that half court shot to beat um, North Carolina. I remember uh, Jerry Stackhouse with the reverse dunk. I remember uh, Jason Capel hitting a half court shot to tie up a game before. Like I remember so many moments from those games, but. I and I know you don't, but I still get that feeling in my stomach when Ohio State and Michigan play. Just simply because I'm a little bit older than you, so I still remember Desmond Howard down the sideline scoring a touchdown to beat us and, you know, throwing up the Heisman and it double hurt then because, you know, me being from Cleveland and knowing Desmond Howard is from Cleveland. Elvis Gerback, their starting quarterback at the time, was also from Cleveland. So it it hurt bad. And then I remember one year when Tim Biakabatuka ran for 300-plus yards on the Silver Bullet defense, I those things still irk me to this, day, to this day, even though they're like 20 and 30 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's probably always going to be Ohio State, Michigan, because those things irk me to the core. Because like, those teams that Cooper had were loaded. And I know that Urban Meyer and everything he accomplished here at Ohio State by, you know, making this more than just a regional recruiting situation. That's what John Cooper did. John Cooper had kids from Texas. He had kids from California. Kenyon Rambo was like the number one wide receiver coming out of high school. And he's from California. He came all the way to Ohio State. So the things that John Cooper was doing recruiting wise was outstanding for Ohio State. But he could never beat them. He couldn't beat them enough, and he got fired for that. And, like, I know it's it's been a long time, and, shoot, we've had Trestle, and he dominated, and Urban Meyer, he dominated, and now it's looking like Ryan Day is going to dominate. I don't ever want 
us to forget when they used to beat us and how they used to beat us. Beat us with teams that had no business beating us. That's why I always say respect your opponent by kicking they beep. Kick they beep up and down the field. That's how you respect your opponent because I will never forget Timbiaka Batuka basically getting drafted off of one game versus us because he got drafted off that one game because the Ohio State defense was the best in the country and he put up 300 yards on us. And I'm getting mad about it right now. <laughs> well, and again, like when you talk about the history. I don't that, even know if I answered your question. Well, you, you did it wrong because you, you, I told you, I'm talking about right now, not history-wise, you gave me the history. I, I don't care. The, the history means nothing because a decade just erased that history and then Michigan's going to have to do a lot to kind of make this feel like it's a big game again because it's not. We can put all the little slogans. Well, you can, whatever. People can put all the little cute slogans with the game, the best rivalry in all the sport. It's No. Michigan has not done enough to carry their end of the bargain for this to be the most watched rivalry game in sports. To me, when you look at Yankees, Red Sox, or you know North Carolina versus Duke, Ohio State versus Michigan, Red Sox, Yankees, that's still at least somewhat competitive on a year-to-year basis, even though the Red Sox have been down. Of all the rivalries, the least competitive of them all right now? Ohio State, Michigan. And it's not Ohio State's fault. Right. It's not Ohio State's fault, but I, I think that Right now, it's Duke, North Carolina, just because it's super competitive. I mean, right now, I think, you know, you want to talk about the history. North Carolina leads like 138 to 13, yeah. uh, 113 uh, in that. But both teams constantly in the top 25. They're constantly making deep tournament runs. North Carolina, you know, and, and Duke in this past decade winning national championships. How long has it been since Michigan won a national championship? Oh, yeah. 1997. It's, it's, it's been a while. So th- that's why I'm just like... I'm not saying that they're not rivalries, but as far as right now, the biggest one in sports, even though I think all right, and I've just said this to open up, I think all rivalries feel watered down right now. I don't, I don't get all warm inside for Duke, North Carolina like I used to. The Yankees, Red Sox doesn't have that. I mean, when you have Pedro Martinez taking an old bald man and throwing him to the floor, there's nothing, nothing gets, that's a rivalry. That was awesome. If you aren't angry enough to take an old man and throw him to the floor, <laughs> is it even a rivalry? Uh, let's be clear. So, no, I just feel like everything is too watered down right now. But as of right now, the most competitive of them all that actually has stuff on the line on a week in, week, year out, year out year basis, it's Duke, North Carolina to me. I think all, especially in college football, I think all rivalries are down. Obviously, the Ohio State-Michigan one is down because they're not holding up the end of the bargain. The USC-UCLA is not very entertaining because USC normally is winning those matchups. Um, shoot, Florida-Florida State. F- Florida State stinks right now. Miami-Florida State. Florida State stinks right now. I guess the most competitive college rivalry game would be Auburn-Alabama. To me, it's Ohio State-Clemson. Ohio State, Alabama, Alabama, Clemson. The college football playoff has it, it, it's created. So you're talking this, about it, this is this, what the college football playoff is creating a new. I think. Well, I think it's organically created. I think it's created in organic rivalries because let's be honest. Today, Ohio State versus Alabama is happening. Right, recruiting. You know, versus Clemson is happening. Um, and I'm not saying that Michigan's not a part of that, but they're not doing it at the level as what the others are doing. So, I think when the playoff started. Yes, you could say this last decade of Ohio State just dominating Michigan is why the rivalry seems watered down. But I do think that the college football playoff, because it it 
force teams to either be dominant or to you know take a step back. Michigan's taken multiple steps back, and Ohio State's put themselves at the adult table with Clemson and, and Alabama. So again, it's Michigan's fault. It's, there's nothing Ohio State can do other than laying down for a game which will never happen. Nah. Right? And I'm joking, by the way. I don't <laughs> expect that. I'm just saying, but like literally, it's a loss that would it would take Michigan beating Ohio State to add a little flavor to it, which nobody wants. And I don't get why Buckeye fans get so stubborn and saying. Yeah, it's not, it's not as much of a rival anymore. Why, why are you trying to force a square peg in a round hole? It's, it, it may, I don't know. It just isn't. Is it just a certain, is it people of a certain age or is it, you know, everybody? I mean, you would think that the older people would even be adamant that this isn't a rivalry anymore just because of what and you talked about, you being older and, and experiencing the rivalry. That's all the more reason why you should look at what it is now and say it's a freaking joke. And it is. Michigan has made this a joke, and it frustrates me because I want it to matter. As a kid, it mattered. As a kid, I mean, every week we would go to a different friend's house to watch the game, but there, you know, we didn't do anything different for Michigan than any other week of going to a friend's house, but that game just felt bigger. The popcorn just tastes better. The pizza tastes better. Uh, the beer. No, I'm just joking. I was, in, <laughs> I was a kid. Wink, wink, right? No, but like everything was just better that day. Now it's just... You know, like I've told you before, I don't get that game doesn't impact me one way or another. But the Clemson game, man, I had butterflies in my stomach all day. I couldn't wait to get the national title game. I'm like, man, it's Alabama against Ohio State. It used to be Michigan, Ohio State, man. I I don't get that anymore. I just don't. And I think that you know people like to argue it. That's fine. I just don't see that anymore. And it's not Ohio State's fault. All that team up north. And also, like, if you think about some of the baseball rivalries you talked about with the Yankees and the Red Sox, I never view those like big time rivalries until the playoffs because that's when it truly matters because they're so, they play so many times. Not only are they playing multiple times in the year, like, they're playing series. You know, they play three games set over the weekend. So, like, I can't get invested in it until it's for all the marbles. So, when they play in the playoffs, oh, yeah, I'm locked in. Like, this is a, a rivalry game, something I can get locked in on. But, like, in the NFL, like, even if I wasn't a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, that Steelers-Ravens game is is normally epic. If somebody's going to get knocked out. Somebody's going to get KO'd. Uh, something's going to happen. And, and for, for, you know, the way the Browns are playing – they want to jump in the dance too. They want to. They want this rivalry with the Ravens. They want the rivalry back with the Steelers. So I think the NFL has actual rivalry games, unlike you know baseball and college football right now. Yeah, I can feel the rival, the hatred in the NFL. I mean, look that Steelers Browns week. I, I, Browns fans were just so appalled. I can't believe they're doing that. I'm like, that's a good thing they're doing. When they're chirping about you, it means they're paying attention to you. Because I'll never forget, we had Jerome Bettis on the show years ago, and I said, "Oh, it's Bengals Steelers week. It's a it's a rivalry <laughs> game." And Jerome Bettis starts laughing. I said, "What's so funny?" He goes, "Look, man, I don't know what's going on in Ohio. You guys may view this as a rivalry game. It's not a rivalry. Like he literally was like, he found it so humorous that I called it a rivalry game, and that's why I'm like, he's right. Like it's not a rivalry game. But you know, the Bengals pay attention to what the Steelers are doing, but I promise you, they don't care about what you're doing." And they used to not care about what the Browns are doing. But now all of a sudden, you hear Juju start chirping a little bit. All right, I don't want to talk about the, the dance in, in the midfield. He did that everywhere. All right, but for the Browns, they're paying attention to the Browns. They're annoyed that the Browns are good. They're annoyed that they're you know at a level that you got to pay attention to. They ain't paying attention to the Bengals. They're paying attention to the Browns. So when Browns fans got mad that the Steelers were chirping, that's a good thing. That means you're on their radar. That means they're paying attention to you. That means you're on their nerves. That means you're doing something right. Uh, but when they don't care who you are, when they're not chirping during the week, when you're considered a trap game to them for some, that means 
you got some work to do. Uh, but yeah, that Jerome Bettis angle, that was still funny as hell to me. He even, and I've told you this before, Jerome Bettis, Jerome Bettis said on the show, he goes, look, actually, I should be a big fan of the Bengals. I ran, I had more, the, I had more yards against the Bengals than any other team in the history of the, you know, in the history of his career. So he, sh- he said he should thank the Bengals that, you know, he should have thanked them at his Hall of Fame speech, uh, when he was inducted. So Charlie is calling in five, four, three, two. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard from old Charles uh, in quite some time, but nonetheless. All right, some other news that came out today. Uh, we all know last year around, I mean, heck, we're beginning of February. A year ago at this time, we had no clue what we were about to embark on from a you know, a real-life standpoint of this pandemic that has just dominated our world for the last year. But a year ago at this time, Kev, you know, we hadn't even a year ago at this time. We didn't even realize that game day was coming. We didn't even know game day was coming mm. to town. We, you know, we we knew that the NCAA tournament was on the horizon, and we had two teams in the air. We talked about UD being a number one, uh, one of the one seeds, uh, you know, number three in the country at the time. Like we're following what they're doing. Uh, Wright State was having a great year. Like we were gearing up and getting excited for the NCAA tournament. Uh, we didn't even have football in our mind outside of the you know the, the Super Bowl and the playoffs going on at that. But man. A year ago, who would have thought that there would be no March Madness? Mm. I don't care if it's just a little exhibition. There's no spring game. Remember, we were supposed to do the show. Yeah. We had it all hooked up. We were going to oh. be doing the show live uh, in Columbus uh, on the day of the spring game. And we were pumped about that. Like it was, so- And then everything just went to hell, right? Like It just got it, it was horrible. But the spring game is coming back. Uh, Clay Hall uh, out of Columbus says, per Ryan Day, that the spring game target date is April 17th, that they are going to be starting practice around mid-March, um, and that they are, you know, full steam ahead. It sounds like we're getting closer to just things as normal. Now, again, the spring game, I'm sure there'll be fans allowed. It'll just be a matter of how many. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does the Big Ten have rules on <laughs> fan attendance at spring games? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Either. Yeah, but again, I thought that was interesting news today that per Ryan Day that the spring game targeted is going to be targeted for April 17th. Practices will start in mid-March, and there you go. But I'm excited about that. Uh, just, I don't care. That that spring game, I'm going to it. If you're allowed to have fans, I'm going to it. <laughs> It'll be the first sporting event that I, well, now I cover basketball. But no, I mean, like, as a fan. As a fan, I'm going to the spring game. I don't care. Like sit away from people. It is what it is. It's the spring game. There's plenty of seats that are going to be open to begin with. But I think a lot of people know, are going to be excited people, about that. People might have the same idea that you got. Well, they have limitations, and they don't let you sit by anybody. And I don't have any friends or family to go with, so you know it doesn't matter. I'll be going by myself. Um, but yeah, all right. Coming up around the corner, uh, about five minutes from now, Jared Luganbill uh, is going to be calling into the show. Excited to talk with him again. We're going to talk about some of the local. The local signees here on National Signing Day here in the Dayton area. Excited about that. Jared Luganville with Prep Red Zone, Ohio. Uh, the recruiting rankings as of right now, Kev, Alabama still has the number one recruiting class for the for 2021. Ohio State, number two. The- Georgia, number three. LSU, go Tigers. LSU coming in at number four. Clemson at five. Oregon, by the way, picked up a couple big commitments today. They're number six. And I like that. I want to see Pac-12 teams getting back in on the fun. Yeah, man. I'm tired of the SEC and the Big Ten and the <laughs> ACC. And technically, the ACC and the Big Ten is just two teams. It's Ohio State and Clemson and the SEC. The Pac-12, come on. The Big 12, step your game up as well. In fact, the Big 12. Is it really the SEC or is it just Alabama and LSU every blue moon? Uh, Georgia, they're there till the, Georgia's fighting to the very end. Like this year, they stubbed their toe. I get that. But I'm not, I'm not ready to poo-poo on Kirby Smart and Georgia just quite yet. Not not yet. I'm getting there. 
Uh, USC comes in at number eight. But there is not a Big 12 team in the top 10, Kev. Michigan comes in at number 10, Oklahoma at 11. Oklahoma at 11? Oklahoma's Mm -hmm. at number 11, yep. They have 17 commitments. They have one five-star and quite a few four-stars. They have uh, 12 four-stars. As far as the five-star, everyone gets obsessed with that. Alabama has seven five-stars and 15 four-stars in this class. Ohio State has five five-stars and 13 four-stars. Uh, Georgia has four five stars and eleven four uh, four five stars and eleven four stars, and then it just depletes after that. Like Oregon has the number six class uh, in the recruiting rankings. Kev, they have zero five stars, but they have more. Uh, they have more four stars than Alabama and Ohio State. And I know people don't really care so much about the the star rankings. But oh yes, they do. There is a parallel between the teams that have the most four and five stars and the teams that are regularly competing for a college football playoff spot every year. All right, it's National Signing Day. We talked about some of the big names locally uh, that have signed. We're going to talk about that with Jared Luganville on the other side of the break. Jared Luganville, Prep Red Zone, Ohio, National Signing Day talk next. Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, weekdays at 3 p.m. on Dayton's ESPN Radio, 1410 Wing AM. So you want to talk about our Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. The conversation we had with Jay Williams is officially posted. It's also available at wingam.com. So head to wingam.com and you can access all interviews and select segments that we do right here on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash uh, right at the tip of your fingers. So make sure you go and check that out. Subscribe and download the Justin Kinner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes and Google Play Store. Uh, so again, the one thing we talked about with Jay Williams was the Ohio State versus Michigan game versus North Carolina versus Duke. Which rivalry game is bigger? That's We talked about that and then some and we'll get into more of that coming up later on in the show. But today is National Signing Day and Kev, it's interesting because we talked about how the early signing period is kind of watered today down but still it is interesting taking a look at some of the big talent that we have here locally and I'm excited to bring on our next guest uh, Jared Luganville with Prep Red Zone Ohio. Jared, welcome in man. How are you? I appreciate your time today. I'm doing great, fellas. Great to be with you, Kevin, Justin. Uh, just uh, an exciting day for those of us that follow high school recruiting. So let, let's dive into that. Before we get into some of the local players uh, here in the in the Dayton area, just talk about your experience with the players you've covered. Uh, the you know when you take a look at how COVID has impacted their recruiting experience, what can you tell us about how that has gone so far? Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been uh, it's brought up a lot of obstacles and challenges for the kids, especially the 2021 class, kind of the way it typically works is around the kid's sophomore season is um, when they start picking up steam, colleges start making their recruiting boards. Into their junior season, the colleges are really following what they're doing and that sort of thing. And the off-season summer camps are where the coaches really get a chance to size up the kids, see them in person, get them on campus, and really uh, establish those relationships. Well, because of the COVID issue and not having those summer camps, it's really um, given a lot of uh, kids trouble that maybe were under the radar, late developing um, kids that uh, really needed that extra time and um, just, frankly, get on campus. Uh, College coaches can be um, kind of, I don't want to say fickle, but, they want to be able to see, see and shake, you know, a kid's hand and, and really be able to feel like, um, you know, they know what they have there. And, and without that 
happening that's really uh, put um, um, a lot of obstacles in the way. And then just from the kids' side of not being able to take campus visits, you know, as you talked about, it's a it's a decision that's going to affect at least the next four years of their life. Um, and not to be able to really get on campus and view the facilities and get to meet the coaches and, and that sort of thing has just made it, um, uh, you know, kind of a hard hard situation to, to go through. But they've, they've done a great job of adapting. The kids never cease to amaze me with their ability to um, overcome, and, and, and they've done it here. You know, you look at this class, the 2021 class coming up, have there, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the names who have signed, whether it was the early signing period or today on National Signing Day. Uh, but you look at the transfer portal, and it is, I mean, there's a lot of concern about how many names are in that current transfer portal and how there seems to be more names than op- than available opportunities. But you talked about it, Jared. You said that you know, a lot of coaches are fickle. They want to see these kids, and they haven't been able to see a lot of these high school kids for quite some time or be able to meet them. Could you see more coaches go in the in the line of trying to fill holes with the transfer portal versus some of the kids who weren't fortunate enough to get a deal done or to be able to sign a letter of intent to play? Oh, I think you could see that a little bit. But to be honest, the transfer portal, um, I would colleges uh, that have options are going to use that probably more in the means of trying to fill a hole here or there to build a culture in a system. You want players that are going to be committed for the long term. And so I don't see um, successful programs, successful coaches really choosing that route as being one that they're going to make long-term investments in. Um, but that being said, um, the, the other part of the COVID issue was seniors getting an extra year of eligibility. And so uh, it's very possible that they could choose the kid that they already have in that knows their system that's been there for three or four years and and has that knowledge and and knows the game um, as opposed to a kid that's in high school and and they haven't invested in yet um and so you know that that definitely could be a realistic uh, possibility but yeah there's there's more kids right now in the transfer portal than there are spots open so you know it may look like the grass is greener on the other side, but there's a chance some of these kids aren't going to find a landing spot. You know, one of the things I definitely miss about National Signing Day outside of the big one, just the single one, but is the hat dance and the ability for these young student athletes to pick their college choice in front of their whole school. How's that happened this year since, you know, there's so many schools doing school virtually? Yeah, there. Um, I know a lot of kids have talked about uh, meeting with coaches on Zoom and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I don't think it's any more or less. Uh, you know, I. And to be honest, the the hat thing has become less, and the putting the the video on Twitter out of making your commitment is kind of the invoke thing now. Not to say that the hat thing doesn't still happen, but um, that's kind of seems to be where the kids have gone, and really that. You know, no matter how, you know, whether it's in, in the December early signing period or, or now really isn't, isn't affected by that. You know, the, one of my favorite memories, and not for the right reasons at all, I mean, I'm being mean here, but uh, it, the, the high school player last year that committed to Ole Miss that didn't have an offer, Remember, mm, like, you talk about yeah. the hat dance, Kev, like, that, you know, you talk about those hat dances and stuff, but I'm, I mean, that was so uncomfortable, I, and the only reason I bring it up is because someone literally just said it to me, and it took me back to that, when the kid that committed to Ole Miss last year on signing day, and he did the whole video, he did the hat dance, as you talked about, on the the news was there, 
except Ole Miss never offered him. There was no paperwork on him, and they had I mean, that was so bad. But anyways, like I said, it's supposed to be a good day about kids signing, and I'm being mean to bullying here. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know it really is a culmination for these kids of all the work that they put in, and not just on the field, but in the classroom yes. to uh, to be where they are now. And so, like you said, it's it's a day to celebrate them. And I know you alluded earlier um, to the fact you know we're I can't get to every kid um, you know to say their name, but um, you know be proud of what your your child's done and and uh, celebrate uh, their their accomplishment today for sure. Absolutely, and uh, you know, and, and you sent me a, a list of guys that you've you know been covering here in the Dayton area earlier today. We read some of those names off a little bit ago, and that's what. And you're right. I mean, that's what I was trying to make clear is a lot of times when you start talking high school sports, if you, oh, you always give that school attention and not this school. Well, you know, that's why the phone lines are open and people have access to send in um, some local signees from the area if we miss one. But I want to talk about a school that uh, you have a lot of players from this school on your list that you sent me earlier today, Northmont. Um, I was able. To to call quite a few of their games over the years, and I tell you what, I did not get to see Cade Rice play, though, as he transferred there this past season. Unbelievable talent. He has Marcus Allen and Rod Moore and so many other talents around him. Northmont was going to win a state championship, in my opinion, and they had that opportunity taken from them, unfortunately, due to the coronavirus and everything. I mean, they were ready to get on the bus to head to Springfield to play, and it gets taken from them. It was such a heartbreaking way for them to end their season, but man, they had so much talent, so much upside, but talk about the talent that's on that team and, uh, and where these players have signed? Yeah, so, you know, as wealthy as the Dayton area is in talent, while Northmont, you look at a kid like Marcus Allen, a wide receiver, big kid, 6'2", 190, uh, led their team in reception, 60 receptions, 864 yards in eight games, 14 TDs in eight games, um, was originally slated to or committed to Michigan, uh, my my belief and understanding is that they cooled on him some, and he ended up decommitting. But he had offers from all over the country. Ended up choosing Wisconsin. Funny enough that he's going to see Michigan probably um, at least once a year, or you know, every other year uh, with the Big Ten schedule. And so that'll be a fun rivalry. I, I would assume that he'll uh, have some uh, some words and some uh, plays for for the Michigan coaching staff, but. Uh, then you also have Rod Moore, who played wide receiver and defensive back there um, at Northmont. He's probably going to be uh, a safety up there. Um, I guess would be a free safety, maybe a little bit of nickel back. Um, but uh, smaller kid, 5'11", 180, but just flies around the field um, and has uh, you know quick uh, change of direction ability. And just you know, you look at him and you say, yeah, that's a D1 athlete. That's a kid that has has the physical traits of a kid that's going to play at that level. Kate Rice, um, as you said, signed with uh, South Dakota State. Um, honestly, uh, he was a kid that I was just waiting for to bust out on the D1 uh, scene. And, and for whatever reason, um, it just never happened. I kind of put it to what I talked about with not being able to get into camps mm-hmm. for people to see him throw live, um, you know, it's, especially with quarterbacks. There's coaches want that extra comfortability they're going to be the leader of your offense they're going to be the face of your team to a certain extent and they want that extra comfort level um, but south dakota state's a great program and and he's going to um, i believe have a lot of success there and and so you know it's really you know you look at a lot of people make you know a d1 or bus type attitude 
And there's so many good programs, D2-wise, where you can get a great education and play at a very high level of, of football. And so I would never want to diminish um, a kid for, for going that route. And um, I, I think he'll, uh, he'll cable, cable do well there. Sean Harewood, another kid, defensive back, who's going to go to Division II, um, University of Indianapolis. Um, great cover skills. A kid that's just going to compete. And I had read an article about him earlier in the year. Um, of just the ability um, to every day go up and practice against two wide receivers that have D1 uh, Power 5 conference type ability and how that helped him as a player um, kind of just be able to rebound and, and be mentally tough and uh, just hone his skills really. And so, yeah, they're, you know, as you said, they ain't no, um, I was really looking, I was going to be going to that Springfield game in the playoffs. I was there at the first time they played and um, it was going to be a great game, I think. I don't know who would have won, but um, it would have been a great game, no doubt. But, uh, you know, they have to be proud of what they did this year, not losing and uh, being one of the best teams in the state. Uh, another team in the G-Walk that uh, we caught a lot of their games over the last couple of years, too, Centerville. I know they have Chase Harrison, who's a junior, who's heading into his senior year now, but one of his primary targets was Will Linkhart. Um, and just signing, uh, you know, you obviously signing with Tiffin, but just what was his recruiting process like, and what was the interest in him like from various schools? Um, I think it was more on a D- D2 level for Will um, I think he did get a little interest from D1s earlier on in his his um, high school career. Um, you know, just from a physical standpoint, you know, the kid's 6'5", 190 pounds. Um, so right off the bat, that kind of um, is going to catch people's eyes. But um, he just, speed-wise, athleticism-wise, seems like a great fit to, to the D2 level and a kid that, you know, whether they decide to um, grow him into a tight end or, as a, as a big outside receiver that can really post up cornerbacks and that sort of thing, um, really is, is a quality fit there. And, and, and to be honest, guys, you know, they're really, when I look at the top D2 programs, and Tiffin's really coming along and, and turning into um, a school that is bringing in, in a lot of talent, there's not really a lot of difference between your top D2s and your smaller uh, D1 FBS programs. Talent-wise, you know, sometimes it's just one thing here, one thing there. It might be a coach's uh, pipeline to a school or relationships that they have and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, Will's one of those guys that probably could have flipped either way at one point or another, but um, I really think Tiffin's going to be a good fit for him. You know, we always get so enamored with the four- and five-star guys going to power five schools. You talked about guys that are going to the D2 level, but this is like a celebration. Even, you know, Rob Moore, even though he's going to Michigan, this is a celebration for all these young student-athletes to, you know, pursue their dreams and go play at the collegiate level. Absolutely. And, you know, let's be honest. If, if your ultimate dream is to play in the NFL, if you're good enough, they're going to find you, whether that's at Division Two, that's at Division One, that's in Division Three. There was a uh, young man in the Senior Bowl this last week that was getting noticed, and he was a Division Three player. And yes, are are there more um, hoops to jump through? More things you're going to have to do to get there, probably. But if, like I said, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. And and like I said, ultimately, this is a long-term investment of getting a great education, playing football at a high level and competing and, and being part of a locker room of guys that 
that have a passion for the game like you do. Uh, another name. Uh, I'm interested in discussing quick before we let you go. Cam Fancher. Uh, I mean, I've loved watching that kid play. Super athletic. Uh, he signs with Marshall. What was his recruiting process like? And, and at what point uh, did he come? When did he officially announce Marshall? Do you know? Um, it was within, I want to say, the last month or so. Um, it, it was relatively late in the recruiting process. Cam Cam was a guy that was a borderline F. Um, FBS player slash. Um, yeah, uh, I know he had some bigger schools looking at him because I remember, right. the, you know, so that you know, Marshall, I think, is a good fit for him as well. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he's going to be a guy that um, is is going to come in, and they're they're going to want to really work with him in the passing game um, and going through his progressions and things like that. But when it comes to arm talent and athletic ability, you're not going to find a, a, a better prospect. Um, as somebody that can make plays and extend plays with his legs. Um, the RPO run-pass option nowadays is really big, and, and he's a kid that could excel um, in, in that manner. And so, yeah, as an athlete, he's a kid that whether, you know, whether he comes in and excels at quarterback, um, you know, is great. And if he doesn't, he's a kid that you could easily slide down to a slot receiver, kind of like Braxton Miller or that sort of thing. And, and and play that way and, and could excel at, at that way too. But um, yeah, from a from a passing perspective, I think there was some things that they wanted to see um, him progress on, and maybe that didn't happen as much as, as the bigger D ones uh, would have wanted to see. But that's why you know you have a, uh, a school like Marshall that's willing to invest, invest in the kid and really work with them. And uh, you know, I think it's a great fit for him. And I think um, ultimately. Um, I'm very excited to see where, where he ends up there. Real quick, and again, I know we haven't discussed this name, Brandon McDonald from Alter. Have you uh, mm-hmm. followed, you know, what what's his trail like right now? I know C.J. Hicks, by the way, really got to see him just absolutely explode in the game against Trotwood. And, and Brandon McDonald had like a 300-plus yard game and five touchdowns against uh, Trotwood in the playoffs. It was unbelievable. But that game right there had to get the attention of a lot of teams out there. What are you hearing about his future? Yeah, so Brandon, he um, I've talked to him um, quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. He has um, had a lot of interest on the D1 side, um, but none of them have come through with, with offers at this point. And so he is actually looking to reclassify as a 2022 and go to a prep academy over the next year and uh, try to uh, work on himself. Um, and uh, and get that D1 opportunity down the road. And so, yeah, I wish Brandon the best of luck. And um, I think, you know, the talent is definitely there. Like I said, sometimes it's just a matter of, of seeing the right person seeing you, um, you know, or, or this or that. And, and for whatever reason, at this point, it hasn't happened. But um, like you said, the, the production's there. Uh, he's a solid-built kid that's honestly from a – from a physicality standpoint, ready to play college ball now, but um, he's going to take that year and and try to work on himself as a player, and and hopefully um, he can realize that dream uh, over uh, you know the next year. Last thing as we send you out, and again, we have Jared Luganville with us here on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, National Signing Day, uh, and Jared Luganville with Prep Red Zone Ohio calling in and hanging out with us a little bit here this afternoon. Uh, I know it's about this year's National Signing Day, but uh, Chase Harrison's a name I'm going to be keeping an eye on a lot moving forward. What are some of his options right now as we head into his senior season? 
Yeah, Chase is uh, getting looked at by uh, uh, several several D1s. Um, he's uh, our highest-ranked quarterback in the 2022 class. Um, I know as of late, um, Louisville has come on um, with interest in him. Um, and so, yeah, big big body kid again and, and a good athlete. Sometimes you see uh, the, the bigger kids a little slow afoot. Um, with Chase, that's not the deal. He's going to... He's going to be able to maneuver in the pocket, has the arm strength necessary to, to make the big plays. And, and like I said, I think um, this, this summer camp season where, is where he's going to have a chance to, to really start, um, you know, getting his name out there on, on the bigger ends of the, uh, the college spectrum and um, just coaches being able to see him throw live, see him in person. Hopefully if one of those camps do happen this year, um, you know, that's going to be, I think, where – where the offers will start coming. And so there's been, a, you know, I can't name all of them, but there's been a lot of interest in them. Um, just offers are, you know, when when you follow recruiting, you, you get to realize that it's it's really a, a, a follower mentality. You Once one or two schools start offering, then you'll have a few more schools in that same conference offer, and then you'll see a couple of schools in another conference start offering. Um, it's it's almost like they don't want to be the first one to offer it. <laughs> they kind of want to keep it on the down low because they don't want other teams to find out about them, which is kind of silly. But, um, you know, it, it just, you know, it, it's crazy how, and then especially with your big-time prospects, once one blue blood, you know, in Alabama, uh, you know, a Texas, a Florida, Ohio State offers, then all of the offers start coming flooding in. And so um, typically that's, that junior uh, to senior off season is where those those kind of offers will come in um, if they're going to get them, or you know maybe it's a case where it's uh, you know middle of the pack Big Ten type team, or, or you know whatever their their ceiling is as far as offers are going to go is going to come in that time, and and then uh, they'll they'll a lot of the top uh, prospects want to commit by the first game of their senior year. And, you know, the trend now, like you talked about it, Kev, is signing in the December early signing period and actually getting enrolled um, for spring camp to be able to try to maximize those three years if they want to go play in the NFL or, or start playing, um, uh, start starting time uh, as quickly as they can. So um, that's kind of, kind of where things are going. All right, Jared Luganville, Prep Red Zone, Ohio. Good enough to join us here on National Signing Day, giving us the latest on some of the top names here in the Miami Valley. Jared, thank you so much for your time. We'll be having you on more in the future. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, good stuff there. Again, National Signing Day, a lot of big names that we just discussed. Yeah. Uh, I'm Cam, you know, talking about Cam Fancher, but, uh, you know, Chase Harrison, who I'm really excited about seeing where he ends up. Louisville's been looking at him for a while. Um, but, yeah. We've did a lot. We did more Centerville games than anything over the last two years. Just the convenience of it being down the street. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you got a shout out from Mr. Craig Miller. Craig Miller says, "Mr. Q's, Mr. FSU, missing you around the building, my guy. Hope all is well." Chilling, man. Trying to stay safe. All right, folks. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station. Well, we've been waiting for this. Remember, I said. Two weeks between the Super Bowl, two weeks between the AFC NFC title games and the Super Bowl was stupid. Mm-hmm. The NFL tested their luck. It's Wednesday. 
and big news coming out. Again, the the Chiefs already banged up on their offensive right. line, which is pretty important when you want to have your you know star quarterback, uh, Patrick Mahomes, just ball out. Well, a situation has come up that could be impacting the Chiefs even more come Sunday, and it could even impact Patrick Mahomes. We'll discuss next. It involves a barber. See, you don't need to get your hair cut before the Super Bowl. Bad things happen when you get your hair cut, I guess. This is ridiculous. It's not the Chiefs' fault. It's not Patrick Mahomes' fault. This is the NFL's fault. If this ends up snowballing into something bigger, I'll explain next. Looking for a career and not just a job? Then Dayton Progress is looking for you. Dayton Progress is the leading international manufacturer of tools and tooling components for the metal stamping industries and has immediate openings for entry-level machinists. No prior experience is required, and Dayton Progress will train you, starting with the basics. They offer competitive wages with merit increases after 90 days of employment. They also offer private health care, including vision and dental, free life insurance, a contributory 401k, bonus programs, promotions from within, company service recognition, and 100% tuition reimbursement to local state colleges. Dayton Progress is a great place to work and has been a Dayton land. Buckeye fans, every Monday night at 6 p.m., make sure to keep it locked in right here on Dayton's home of the Ohio State Buckeyes for the Buckeye. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. If you want to win free a free dozen roses and a vase from First Floors and Greenhouses, head to Facebook, search The Justin Kenner Show, and you must like and follow the show page to be eligible to win the free uh, dozen roses and a vase. We'll be selecting the winner on Friday. We will be selecting the winner from those who like the show page. So, again, uh, there will be multiple winners, but you have to go and like the show page and follow along. You can see the video feed there share that again you'll you could potentially win a free dozen roses in the face from first forest and greenhouses and gentlemen it's important that you do this because valentine's day is coming up around the corner don't wait, to the, don't wait to the last moment to to go get her a gift make sure you take advantage of this opportunity to win you know a free dozen roses in a vase you're going to spend money on her anyway so you might as well get the <laughs> roses for free and then you know get her something even bigger i mean really go all out but again it's as simple as liking the justin kinner show uh, page on facebook everyone has facebook head there now search the justin kinner show like the page and uh, you could win a free dozen roses in a vase from first floor and Greenhouses, uh, the official florist of ESPN 1410 Wing AM. I'm Justin Kenner. He's Kev Nash. And I've been waiting for a story like this for a while. Uh, I didn't want this to happen. And again, it's nothing major as of yet, but it has all of the makings of a complete and total disaster, right? Um, so ESPN's Adam Schefter tweets out about an hour ago that, Again, this you know Super Bowl Fifty Five coming up this Sunday. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs. There were over twenty Kansas City Chiefs players and staffers, including quarterback Patrick Mahomes, Kev, that were scheduled this past Sunday to get a haircut with a barber who tested positive for COVID. Mm. So, mm. and this is of course according to sources, the Chiefs acted wisely and aggressively pulled the barber mid-cut. Once his test results came in, <laughs> mid-cut. Now, here's where it gets concerning. The Chiefs are already down a few offensive linemen heading into this Super Bowl 55, right? Right. And the player that was mid-cut 
that they pulled the barber, and I'm, I don't know how they fixed the rest. I don't know if you just shave it and go bald and you fix it. Uh, but it was the center, Daniel Kilgore, was mid-haircut when the barber was notified that he was COVID positive. Uh, Kilgore and the barber were both wearing masks. Kil- Kilgore has ha- has to stay home this week, but he has tested negative and will return on Saturday. Um, and then he could fly with the team and play on Sunday per source. But look, let's be clear: the, the week leading into the Super Bowl, and talking with Keith Byers, who's played in the Super Bowl before, he said the one thing he goes, "Don't don't forget that Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, it's Super Bowl Sunday, but the Super Bowl is more than just one day. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl is an experience. And the time that the clock hits zero in the AFC or the NFC Championship game, you it becomes an event. You are now right. gearing up." For the Super Bowl, so it's unfortunate that this guy right here is not a Kilgore is not going to be able to even participate in the in the fun in the week leading into the Super Bowl because of this isolated incident. The problem is here is this is my biggest complaint from the beginning, from two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, the clock hit zero on the NFC and AFC title games. Why there was two weeks between those games and the Super Bowl is beyond me. It should have been last Sunday. We should have been using this week to talk about who won the Super Bowl this past Sunday. Last week, no issues. Right. All right. And by adding an extra week, and that's how it is on a normal year, well, guess what, folks? We're not in a normal year right now. Things aren't normal. Mm -hmm. There should have never been two weeks. As of right now, it's okay. But this has the makings of the beginning. Like, if it does unravel, we're going to think back to this day when this news broke and say, what a complete S show. Because this is totally avoidable if you just play the Super Bowl this past Sunday. Now, sure, something could have happened last week, but guess what? If it happens last week, you push it back to this Sunday. It makes zero dang sense to me why they had to have the two-week break in between. It is what it is. And hopefully nothing continues to unravel and snowball from this. But again... It's crazy. And you said, too, the NFL said they're playing no matter what. Yeah, this is ridiculous. And if they, if this goes the wrong way, you know, there's a ton of people on the Chiefs that end up testing positive for COVID and don't get a chance to play in the Super Bowl. And the NFL pushes forward and plays this game. Disaster. Complete disaster. Complete disaster. You lose all faith in your fan base. Your fan base is going to turn on you. The viewing public is going to turn on you because they're going to be watching the sham. This isn't the Super Bowl. This isn't what we're we're having Super Bowl watching Super Bowl commercials for, and you know, in a normal situation, having gatherings at our home and everything like that. They want to see Mahomes, Brady. They want don't want to oh, see yeah. Henny Brady. You know what I mean? Like they want to see Henny, the stars. Is he the guy that beat the Browns in the playoffs? <laughs> they want to see the stars go out there and play football. And yes, I know some big time players don't get the chance to play in the Super Bowl because of injury. The COVID ain't an injury. This is something that, you know, a league should be doing their best to try to put their best players on the field for their most important game. And the NFL chose not to do a playoff bubble. They chose not to do a Super Bowl bubble. They chose to keep their two-week timeline, to keep their precious little schedule. Everybody's been forced to move things around except the league. The league has been stubborn about this. And obviously, I hope that all the guys that were exposed to this barber come back COVID-negative and are able to play on Sunday, and we have a great game, and everybody's safe and all that good stuff. But or the virus just take a little longer to mutate. That way, you know, you test positive on Monday, <laughs> but just try to get in as many negatives before Sunday. You already well. know. You already know. <laughs> you, I mean, shoot, we saw the rumors about Clemson, about them stop testing a week out from the Ohio State game. And, you know, we saw those rumors come out, so you never know. How about the World Series when you had a player uh, who, had, who knew they had tested positive and – 
still just went out on the field anyway and baseball did nothing about it. Absolutely not. Because, well, season's over. Who cares? Terrible. It's ridiculous. Um, Due to Jason Pruitt, uh, who I believe, yeah, he's a Chiefs fan. He has the Chiefs uh, logo in his Facebook profile. Uh, he says they should have played the game this past Sunday. I agree. Now, I'm not just saying that because, oh, last week nothing happened. Last week, you were saying that on yeah. the Monday after the championship yeah. games. Now, something could have easily as happened last week as this week. But my point is, is that if it would have happened last week, you, you can move it back. And I'm not saying you, you still can move it back now, but it's just the point that the ego of the NFL to sit there and act like, oh, we're two weeks. Why would you get more? The more time, more time is bad. Everything's being moved up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NBA is playing less games, to move, which is why we'll get into how stupid it is to Ooh, add an exhibition game. On wee. top of that, the NBA, who I've been very you know, complimentary of, is they're stupid for trying this All Star game. But Horrible. that's you know we talked about that with Jay Will a little bit ago. But I, what I mean is, last week something easily could have happened. But you know what? That's out of your control. And when you when you're sticking to your one week between, at least by moving it up one week, people would have said, "Man, that sucks." You know, they moved it up to try to you know prevent more time from going on between games to have this happen. So yeah, it's just one of those things, man, where this could have been prevented. And there's maybe nothing happens, but if it does, it's going to be a problem. Um, Ann Anderson says, "How important is a friggin' haircut?" I like that she said friggin', like F-R-I-G-G-I, friggin'. I haven't had a professional haircut in almost a year. My husband has been cutting mine with his beard trimmer. <laughs> I've been uh, paying I've been uh, paying him and services rent. Whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's LOL, too. Uh, he has done a fantastic job. I may never go to a hair salon again. So there's that. Well, before, let me think. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, my wife's birthday is in July, so from from I want to say from March mm-hmm. to July, I didn't have a haircut. Uh, got a haircut because uh, we went to a wedding and it was the wife's birthday, so I got a haircut in July. Then I got another haircut in August because we ran home while the weather was still good to see our parents. And then I didn't get a haircut in between there until Christmas. And I haven't had a haircut since Christmas. Now, in a normal world, I get a haircut every other week. I want a normal world to come back. I need a haircut desperately. I hate this. I hate my hair like this. I need a haircut bad. But yes, haircuts are important. But in a situation where it's COVID, I can wait. Yeah, see, people have said that they tune into the stream. You have to tune it out because Kev's hair is just—it's unbearable. <laughs> Watch, it's not horrible right now, but like, give me like another two weeks. It's gonna be the in-between stage where I can't brush it anymore. Then I'm gonna have to start picking it and combing it, and it's just gonna look wild. I just wear a hat. <laughs> I just, I'll just wear a hat, but yeah, I just go with the simple buzz cut, man. It's simple with the fade. It's simple enough, but but no, man. Like so. Again, nothing could end up coming out of this, but do keep an eye on that. And again, you know, to sit there and say, well, that center, uh, that, you know, Kilgore that's out, oh, he just can't, you know, he can't be around the team this week. I mean, that line's already beat up. Right. Um, and keep in mind, I'm already getting this sent in, too. And this is just the NFL protecting Tom Brady. Let me, let me be clear. <laughs> you want to know who the biggest asset in the NFL is right now? It's not Tom Brady. It's the quarterback that's potentially going to get screwed over in all of this if this ends up taking out more teams. Uh, you know, yeah. it's Patrick Mahomes. Pat, if, if the league was going to protect anybody, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. It's not. Tom Brady has done enough. There's nothing more Tom Brady could do for the NFL. Like, Tom Brady could win the next two Super Bowls. His legacy, it's he's to me, he's already the GOAT. I don't right. I mean, we 
it is what it, he's already the goat. Winning one on Sunday will just solidify it even more. Winning one next year will solidify it even more. It's it's his legacy is intact no matter what moving forward. Even if he if he gets a back to back Super Bowls and loses both of them, it's not changing. He's still the goat. I mean, what he's done is unbelievable. So he could do no more for the league. The league is not benefiting any more from what Tom Brady. In fact, the league is saying, man, we. We kind of like this, Our you new know. Star. We like these news, not just new star, but stars. Yeah. I mean, you look across the league. There's young quarterbacks everywhere. If the league was going to protect anybody, it is going to be Patrick Mahomes, and they're not. Not trying to bet, you know, defend the NFL here. They're just equally stupid, no matter who the quarterback is that they're protecting one way or another. I just don't see them. Ben- this isn't them protecting Tom Brady. This is no. just them being egotistical and sticking yeah. to what they've done to teams all year, which I've been fine with. I've looked at those situations with the Ravens and Browns and others as isolated situations where there's a lot of teams in the NFL, and it only happened to a handful of teams that were big, you know, impacted by it. If we're talking six, seven, eight, nine games on a weekly basis that every week it was something, then the NFL, I thought, should have done something. I actually like that they didn't panic. Major League Baseball, the very first weekend, okay, the very first weekend, <laughs> They had games canceled, and the Major League Baseball, we might just pull the plug on the whole thing. It's like, Jesus, let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. Let it breathe. And Major League Baseball did. It got better. You had isolated situations, which led to the you know tear down, early teardown of your Cleveland baseball team, of course. Um, but the bottom line is, is that it all ended up working out at the end. The NFL, it all worked out at the end. But this game, this is your baby. This but is again, the one. money talks. You want to know what their baby actually is? The Super Bowl commercials, the TV networks. That's all. I mean... A game will be played on Sunday regardless of who's quarterback. It doesn't matter because their money comes from the commercials, their money comes from the viewers, which might be less, but you got to think significantly less viewers of the Super Bowl is still 10 times more than any other programming out there uh, throughout the years. So. so you don't think any adverse effect would happen if they went on and played the game and there's no Mahomes, no, no Tariq Hill, there's no Travis Kelsey? Like, like you don't think they'll have an adverse effect on how fans view the NFL? I mean, if I'm the NFL. In the long term, I mean. In the long term, for one, I'd be upset with the NFL if something happens to anybody. It doesn't matter. If this Kilgore guy ends up missing it because of it, I think that's one too many being missed because you wanted to wait two weeks between championship games and this. But obviously, it's easy to say the stars. If if a star gets it and you're going to miss, you should push it back. I don't know. I just think as big as Patrick Mahomes is, the NFL saying, yeah, well, we still got Tom Brady. We still got stars in the game that are going to carry it. It's still going to be interesting to see if, if the Chiefs can compete and blah, blah, blah. They'll go I on just, to that the yeah. shield thing that they always fall back oh, to. Oh, yeah, because the they're all about integrity and everything, <laughs> right? The NFL, I tell you. I tell you. All right, 457-9464. And see, I'm getting another one. They're protecting Tom. 457-9464. Folks. I need you, more reasons than they're protecting. Why would they protect what, How Tom are they Brady? protecting Tom Brady? Again, nothing's happened yet. Nothing's going on that they even need to push back the Super Bowl. That's not what we're saying. But this this situation that has happened where there was 20 Kansas City Chiefs in line ready to get their hair cut that day, the barber in mid-cut for Kilgore, the center for the Chiefs, they pulled the barber in mid-cut, and they're you know testing daily Kilgore to see if he tests positive. He's been negative so far. All I'm going to say is that right now there's nothing to push it back for. But if it happens, if Kilgore tests positive, if key guys like Patrick Mahomes and others test positive and have to miss the Super Bowl on Sunday, yes, I think that they should entertain the idea of pushing it back. I just don't think that they're going to. But to act like, oh, that they're protecting Tom Brady, if Tom Brady catches it, I don't even know who the hell the backup quarterback We only know, I only know Henny was the backup quarterback. I didn't even know who the Chiefs' backup quarterback was until Patrick Mahomes goes out in the, in the game against the Browns. Who the hell is the backup quarterback? Is it Brad Johnson? I mean, who is the backup quarterback no. <laughs> for the Tampa Buccaneers? Ron, um, if, you're a real, if you're a real fan, you'll chime in right here. Is it Bortles? 
No, Josh Rosen is, I believe. That's, that's not a bad backup. I mean, if that's your backup, I, it could be worse. Google machine. It could be worse. Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. Bortles. So Blaine Gabbert versus same dude. Chad Henney. Super Bowl 55. <laughs> the matchup we all anticipated. I mean, you got to start looking at Leonard Fournette against, uh, <laughs> you know, Le'Veon Bell. Running Oof. the <laughs> Wildcat. <laughs> Holy smokes, man. It's gonna that, that would be hideous. But, no, I don't think they're protecting Tom Brady. But 457-9464, if this situation happens, what should the NFL do? But you talked about that article that, that you know, that came out on ESPN. The NFL, no, we're not. We're, we're sticking to, you know, what we want. We, we will not push back. Um, the Super Bowl. Fun fact: Lashawn McCoy is going for a personal back-to-back Super Bowl because he is a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where he won a championship last Who? year. Lashawn McCoy. Oh yeah. Yeah, he played with the Chiefs last year, got a Super Bowl. Now he's with Tampa Bay. Hey, he knows how to follow. <laughs> how about this? Tampa Mayor makes playful push to rename the city Tampa Bay if the, if the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl on Sunday. Oh, boy. The mayor is pushing to rename the city Tampa Bay. You do that for a year. You do it for a year. You don't rename it permanently moving forward. I mean, act like you've been there before, folks. And don't I be, have. Don't be like the Cleveland Browns, who, by the way, I'm going to rip the Browns. This is down. I put it on my Facebook page. Did you know that there's a commemorative coin that was made <laughs> to celebrate the wild card win over the Steelers? T-shirt, yes. Coin, no. Do whatever you want. You can put anything on a T-shirt. They can put our show logo on a T-shirt for all I care, which, by the way, we should do that. But the the fact that people are spending, it's $30 for this coin. And it's a coin and has the Browns helmet versus the Steelers helmet, the date that they made, the score on it. It looks like what you do when your team wins a Super Bowl and there's the Browns. (laughs) Oh, on this date, we beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card round. I'm like, that's that's sad. If you act like you've been there before, I know it's the Browns and they have it, but at least pretend, blend in. <laughs> I know you're new money, but blend in. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, by the way, Ann Anderson says that, hey, Kevin, put your significant other to work. <laughs> See, if you, services rendered. <laughs> I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. Be nice. Ann Anderson also says, hey, ladies, why am I the only female that interacts on this program? Aren't there any other women who are sports fans? Sometimes I feel I'm the lone female listening. So there you go. It's a good point. Like in the female point of view from time to time. What I think do you it's just her and Pam. Now, Pam called the one time to yell at you. Yeah, she got at me because we were talking about Detroit Lions football. As we keep proving, we know absolutely nothing about. There you go. All right, we'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash when we come back. Services rendered. Hilarious. Dayton Flyers basketball fans, don't miss Talking Out Loud with Sully every Thursday night at 6. All right, Kev. Uh, we, okay, all right, Kev. All right. I'm Justin Kenner. He's Kevin Nash. We are back. I'm right here on 1410 ESPN. My God, this is my first radio show. All right, Kev. I mean, come on. I need to know what I'm doing here. What is wrong with me? Uh, so we welcome you back. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash. We're with you live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. So we're days removed from this. This is how much content we've had on the show that I haven't even been able to get to everything I've been wanting to get to. Uh, Major League Baseball Players Association rejected Major League Baseball's proposal. Again, this is a few days old, but I wanted to you know, bring this up to you know what this means. Uh, 162 game season will officially start on April 1st, Kev. 
Okay. 162 game. Uh, spring training camps begin February 17th, which, by the way, today is, what, the third? third? That is not too far off in the distance. I mean, held the 17th. Valentine's Day is a week from Sunday, which, by the way, if you would like <laughs> to win a free dozen roses and a vase to give to your significant other this Valentine's Day, which is a week from Sunday... Uh, Make sure you head to Facebook and like the Justin Kinner Show Facebook page. Again, win a free dozen roses and vase from First Florist and Greenhouses. Tune into the Justin Kinner Show uh, weekday afternoons to have an opportunity this week to be able to win a free dozen roses and a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses, the official florist of ESPN 1410 Wing AM. We're, again, every day this week, uh, we are urging you to go and like the Justin Kenner Show page because on Friday, we're going to go to all the likes uh, and follows on the page. We're going to generate a winner, select, uh, randomly selecting a winner uh, to win the free dozen roses and a vase. So make sure you like the page. Head there now. Head to Facebook. Like the Justin Kenner Show page on Facebook to have an opportunity to win a free dozen roses and a vase from first floors and greenhouses. But as I mentioned, you know, with that, with, you know, Major League Baseball Players Association rejecting the proposal, Kev, it's interesting. You know, it's, you, I thought this would be reversed. I thought that the players would be asking to delay the season. Mm-hmm. I thought that the players would be concerned. And it's the league. This is how backwards baseball is. Like, if you're asking to delay the season, it's because you don't know what you're doing right now. Right. And that's a problem and it's a bad look. This is a business at the end of the day. We ripped the NBA and the NFL and others for being too cutthroat with their business, right, Kev? Man, I can't believe the NBA, the bubble worked, and they're just throwing teams back out onto the – because it's a business at the end of the day. Like, they're going to do the right thing as much as they can, but, it, you know, they still have to operate under business protocols, right? Same thing in the NFL. We ripped them for being too cutthroat, but guess what? They're about to crown a Super Bowl champion on Sunday. All right, the NBA has an NBA champion. They're already deep into Season 2. If you are a professional sports league, why are you trying to play less games? Why do you want less of your product out there? Why do you want to delay the start to your season? Get out there and get your product out there. Because right now, of all the sports, you look the weakest, you look the most unorganized, and you look the most chaotic, and you look the most embarrassing. Major League Baseball has a problem. Why are they? I mean, they can have their reasons as to why they want to delay the start to the season, but it doesn't mean that they're good ones because you should have solutions. I always say solutions, not problems. I've had bosses like that that say, if I go into their office and say, hey, so we have have a problem with this, this, and this, he gets messed. No, no, no. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. I mean, tell me what the problem is and what you're going to do about it or what you think you should do about it. That's Major League Baseball right now. I don't want to hear, oh, COVID's a concern. No kidding. It's a concern for everybody. But just like at our job and your job, you know, for you listening, your job and everyone else, there's a solution. Doesn't mean it's bulletproof. But it's a solution. Major League Baseball, stop trying to delay the season. Get it going. 162-game season starts on April 1st. Spring training just under two weeks from now. No expanded playoffs, Kev. No universal DH. 26-man rosters for 2021 with 27-man rosters for double headers. So there you go. That wraps it up today. I'm very excited for baseball to start. As much as I just ripped it. I'm <laughs> ripping you? the league. I don't hate the sport. I hate the league. The league is so wrong, man. Like it, it, there's, They have no clue what they're doing. The league, like, I can see if the players are saying, no, 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 we're not stepping foot on that field until you have a better safety protocol for us, better right. testing. I would expect that, not the league saying, oh, yeah, we, we shouldn't start right now. Everyone else is. You are going to start on time. They're a horrible business. They are, they're embarrassing. I hate Major League Baseball. I love the sport. I hate Major League Baseball. They are ass backwards, man. All right, closing thoughts. I agree with you. This is backwards, and I say that Major League Baseball was most affected by COVID because not only did they delay their start last year, but also their villain in the Houston Astros, we weren't able to hate them as fans. 
we weren't able to have them come to our stadiums and boo them mm-hmm. and, and all that type of stuff. I think them having a villain like that could save baseball. As crazy as it sounds, like everybody can gang up on them because everybody's not going to gang up on the Yankees. The Yankees are a national brand. Every, you know, so many people love the Yankees, but everybody outside of the Houston Astros was going to root against them. And I think baseball is missing a prime opportunity to have their villain out there to be booed to help their sport. And have a proper punishment for the team that cheated oh, and made this know, that's not going to happen. All right, folks, have a great night. Uh, if you missed the interview with Jared Luganville uh, with Prep Red Zone Ohio, talking National Signing Day for all of our local signees here in the Miami Valley, you don't want to miss that. Go back and check that out. Great stuff. He's very knowledgeable. He he knows so much about our local area and a lot of the great players in the area where they signed and kind of who was looking at him and including players who have yet to sign for future years. Uh, but we're going to be having him on more uh, here in the coming months, uh, again, as we head into the summer. Have a great night, everybody. The Jay Williams interview is available as well. Subscribe and download the Justin Kinder Show podcast in your Apple iTunes tunes at Google Play Store. Until tomorrow, the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio.